Thanks for coming on, by the way. Thank you very much for inviting us. And uh, yeah, I've always thought this geezer needs to have his own TV show. Uh, not that you're wasted on social media. Yes. It's a gift for the rest of us who are yeah, hearing yeah, you. Of course. But I think I've got a rough idea why the mainstream haven't yet grabbed you. Because I've seen you build up maybe two or three accounts. Yes. One of your biggest accounts was over a million followers. I mean, yes. that's enormous. So have yeah, a million yeah. followers follow you, your every word, your videos would go viral. You'd have hundreds and thousands of people yep. in stitches. You were putting smiles on people's faces. Yep. You were their therapy. And then you would expose bullies on a massive level, which was beautiful, because there's nothing better than bullying a bully. Oh, nothing better. Beautiful. Nothing. And then there was a documentary on your panorama because of that. Yep. And then you lost your account. Then you came back. Yes. Uh, and then you was exposing pedophiles, mm -hmm. and your account blew up again. And then they cancelled that account too. Yeah. So I want to find out all about you. Yes. And I'm in no rush. Uh -huh. And we can take it nice and steady. This is going to be a real joy for me. Yes. Because I've been a fan for years. So we will roll it back. Yep. You're a Geordie. Yes, I am. Born and bred. I was born in the RVI hospital, um, which is right next to St. James's Park. Um, and then I moved over to Gateshead about three years later. So born in Newcastle, brought up in Gateshead. I love Gateshead. It's a fucking shithole, like, but I love the place as well. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. And that's a nice word for shithole. And the it's a polite, <laughs> I'm being polite. Yes, you we, we, polite. We, we'll start polite and then you can just fucking... <laughs> oh, and then we're going to nail the then you, then, you, then you go Robin Armstrong yes. with me. Okay, I'll, I'll ease you here. Ease, it's just feed. Apply in the lube. Put the tip in first and then and then go and full shaft halfway through. in and out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tuck <laughs> them both in there. <laughs> I'm ready to push your balls in, mate. Let's go. Yeah, I'm ready to receive them. Okay. So, Gateshead. <laughs> Was you, uh, did you come from an estate? I'm from the- uh, A gay um, community? No, no. So I, I was born in Gateshead, I was born in Newcastle um, with my mum and dad, and my mum and dad broke up and me, I moved to Gateshead with my mum. Originally we moved in with my nana, just a little Mingan council estate. I've always lived in a Mingan, Mingan council estate, to tell you the truth, but I feel like Mingan council estates, they're more homely feel. Like I say, the, the family, the family era, I feel, I feel like it's gone. There's no, there's no like this. When I was a kid in the, in the council estates, the streets would be full of different families, would all be playing water fights and stuff. Now there's none of that shit, uh, there's none of that shit happening anymore, you know what I mean? So I am a council estate kid, born and bred to the death as well. And with, back in the day, yeah. I, I know they're different now. Yeah. Now you, you'd fucking bolt the door up tenfold. But oh, back in the day, I'm from a council estate. Yeah, yeah. You'd have your front door open, your back door open, oh, and everyone was welcome. They can help themselves to biscuits, yeah. tea, sweets, monster munch. You know what I mean? And it was a nice community. It was. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm very fond of them estates. Yes. I, st I still love them. And so, yeah. Fucking dying a death now, I feel, I feel like the, 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 it's, I feel with the new social media age and whatnot, that this whole love and family shit now doesn't really happen anymore. Was it a rough estate? I, it is pretty rough. I mean, when we were younger, there was no like, like smackheads and whatnot were few to the dozen. Back in the day, you would very rarely see a drug addict and whatnot. You'd have the odd glue sniffer kicking about. So it wasn't so rough growing up. Now my estate is fucking, mate. I went back to my old childhood home where I used to live. Mm. It's just fucking, mate, it was like some guy Jumanji. Like there was just, there's just shit all over the gods. There's junkies everywhere. So I, it is, it's, it used to be rough. Now it's getting, it's sincerely rougher. Is it more flats or a state? Both. It's a mixture. Flats and high rise. Yeah, yeah. High yeah. rise are fucking horrible, mate. So when you go around them stairwells, needles. Yeah. All the stairwells. Crack pipes. Crack, crack pipes, needles everywhere. There's all of that shit. I and mean, there is some nice spots, but it's, it's mainly fucking minging. 
and you're out of that state now. Nah. So you're still there. <laughs> well, the thing is, well, I'm, so, you know, you, we normally become a, well, most people become yes. a product of their environment. Yes. And you could quite easily not be sitting there now with that beautiful smile on your yes. face. You could be in that stairwell with a knee hanging out your arm. The majority of people who are in my area, it's, it's strange. We all look like, I dress the same as the people in my area, but I think I speak a bit more clearer. And the the, 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 the bog standard person from the council estate or my area, they tend to be fucking useless tramps. You know what I mean? No offense to everyone who's listening. Yous aren't probably useless tramps, but the ones who haven't got Wi-Fi, they're definite <laughs> proper tramps. The ones who, who can't listen, yes. you're all tramps. Yeah. So they're not going to hear this. And there'll be no backlash so from that. Them, you know what I mean? say, say something else. <laughs> fuck the lot of you. Tramps. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm from the I am from the tramps, mate. So I So school days. School now, days. now I don't need you to tell me that you've got ADHD. Yes. I know that. By wriggling around. But just by the way, you just your high frequency. Yes. I'm ADHD too. They're the best people. They are the best. They people. get shit done. Yes. They commit. They fuck off the stuff they're not interested in. Why? And they laser focus on the stuff they are. And anybody that tells me that their kids are fucking on the spectrum or they've got ADHD, I'm like, good. Give them yes. something they enjoy and get them to focus on that you shit know what I mean? because they will be hugely successful. They could make you a millionaire one day. Yeah. 100%. You know what I mean? So how did you get on at school? Because back when, so how, how old are you? I'm 33. 33. So possibly back in the day, them labels weren't floating about. Nah. Oh, mate. So when I was when I was at school, uh, so believe it or not, when I was at school, I was 18 and a half stone, right? When I was 13 years old, I was fucking minging. The biggest, fattest bastard you've ever seen in your life, right? So the reason I got so fat is my dad, my dad was very wealthy growing up and I would go over on the weekends and see my dad and he would give us 50 pound pocket money a week. Now that was fucking, you're basically a millionaire when you got that much pocket yeah. money, especially in my area. So my dad would come and pick us up in a different sports car every weekend and he would give us 50 pound. Progressively, it turned us into a fucking proper fucking elephant, mate. I was foodie. Oh, mate. Foodie, desserty. Fucking, if I found a fucking chip butty on the floor, I would eat it, right? Yeah. Even if it was open and someone had shit on it, I would still eat it. I, d I did one night, pissed <laughs> out my skull, and I mean absolutely fucking Shit on a chip lagging. I didn't shit on a chip butty, <laughs> but I did see a box of half-eaten pizza, and I thought, I'm fucking having that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Well, I would have done that even if I wasn't drunk. That's how fat I was. I was Stunk cold sober. First yeah. thing, I left that. Oh, for all, all day long. So it got, it was, my school life was affected because of my weight. Now, I don't care what anyone says. You know, when someone, when someone tries to be polite and says, look, someone's child's getting fat, right? Look, he's, he's a lovely child. Don't say that. You'll make him feel bad. I fucking hate me, man, for letting me get fat. Yeah. It ruined my childhood. It ruined it. So all the way through school, I was a big fatty. And that started to affect us when you come, when you get to a teenager and you start getting hormones and stuff. Because I wasn't bothered until I got to me to, me to like 13 years old. It affected me school because you would get bullied and whatnot. And then I hit, I hit puberty and I thought, fuck this, I'm going to lose weight. But what I did to make the other kids like us was I became the funny kid. I thought I'm fat, I'm getting insulted, I'm not getting no compliments here. So if I start being funny, it took some of the weight off us and I, I, I rolled with the fat funny kid. So in school, I was the fat funny one in the class, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's funny that you say that you made yourself funny. Yeah. Because it's a bit like sales. Yeah. You can't teach funny. Nah. That is intrinsic. That yeah. is built within you. And it's very humble that you say that. that yeah, you decide yeah. to, because like you didn't decide to be funny. Nah. You're just funny, mate. I, like you're funny and you're lovable. Yeah. And yeah. And I totally agree. If someone's fat, now yeah. I also I've got some 18.2 stone. I probably yes. sent you the pictures. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I had a word with myself. Yeah. Liam, you fucking fat, disgraceful, weak mess. Yes. Pull yourself together. So I wish somebody had said that to me yeah. as I was on the trajectory. Of course. As soon as I hit 16, 16 and a half, it's like, how come no one fucking it's, told me that yeah, I was looking like a sack of shit? Yeah. Because eventually, 
When your mind catches up with your body, Aye. you then become very depressed. Oh, very depressed. It's not a nice place mm. to be. So I can totally get, because it's good fun getting there because yeah. you're eating McDonald's and KFC and yeah, fucking... Yeah, yeah. I was grateful and I loved yeah. it. Yeah, but then all of a sudden realisation kicks in. It's like, wow. No, what he fancies is... You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, when, I, when it really hit home was there used to be when MSN, remember MSN, the chat room, my first, well, it was first chat room that came around. Yeah, yeah. All the kids had it in school and there was something called Rate the Lads and Rate the Lasses. So there'll be different pictures. You could rate them one out of 10. Now it's Rate My Plate. I mean, I was on that as well. You know what I mean? So I posted a picture and it was like comments like, oh, really nice. Oh, bless him. Where all the other lads were getting lush, lush, hottie, all this shit. And I was like, that's when I was like, right, enough's enough. So me, I had eight, so a little over you of, of my school times. I was obese and my ADHD made a struggle to learn and I couldn't explain to me successful dad why I was struggling to understand why I couldn't focus and whatnot. Because if you imagine your dad's a very wealthy, clever businessman and does all this, you expect that your genes are going to get passed on to me. Is he more calm and sort of nah. one thought at a time? Oh, he's a fuck. My dad's a genius. My dad's a very, very clever. Calculated. Calculated, no mistakes, wealthy, really, really. He's just, he's everything. He's, I've, got, I've got a lot of his traits, but I don't have that side of his traits. And I think it was quite hard for my dad to, to accept that I was such a useless fucking fat asshole. He wanted a sporty son who would like going to play football. I was a fucking 18 stone goth. So that was a shit, that was a one. <laughs> Imagine you was a goth as well. I was a minging mate. Yeah, seven, only for one year, like. I ah. took one year of, but mate, well, being a goth was hard enough. Being an 18 stone goth, you can imagine I was the butt of every joke. Who are your favorite bands in the goth era? Well, I was a Slipknot, if everyone's watching. Metallica. Metallica, oh, everyone. I didn't even know, I just used to go, so basically I copied off this other fat kid. There was another fat kid in my school and he was a goth. And I noticed that he had a quite a large circle of friends around him. And I was like, well, how's he getting mates? And I'm not getting mates. So off I went to the goth shop, bought myself a Slipknot hoodie. I got it. Aye. Pay me nails. Did you have makeup? Oh, all that shit, mate. Well, we're on there and that, you know what I mean? Hang about. So in order, in order to be a bona fide goth, <laughs> yes. you've also got to have long hair. I have, mate. Well, I had long hair at the time, you see. Beautiful. I had blonde hair, believe it or not. Same. I, so I had blonde hair going to the school. Then it went black. If we can get... Two pictures of you. I'll get them sent over. Yeah. Right now. I'll send you over. So my blonde hair, I was obviously, I got accepted into the goth tribe. So when I fucking first started being a goth at school, everyone had tags. I noticed people were writing on walls and that, right? So Oh, you got into graffiti as well? Yeah, you know. So obviously I was like, oh, what's going on? They're like, oh, obviously you've got to have a tag. If you want to be one of the goths, you've got to have a tag. And I was like, oh, I'll come and I'll think of a tag. So I went home and because I was so fat, the only clothes that really fit us were like American clothes. So I had a brand called FUBU. Remember FUBU? It was like FB. Like it's an American, fucking some American, like a skate, skate brand, right? And the logo was a big FB. Remember what Ali G used to wear? So FUBU under his big mad tracksuit. Yeah, all, all oversized. Yeah, all oversized shit. Yeah. It wasn't oversized on me. It looked like it was too tight, but it was oversized. Yeah, like So I was horrible. <laughs> but I thought, right, FB, that looks like a good tag. So I come into school next day, they're like, oh, what's your tag? I was like, oh, it's, uh, it's FB. And they're like, oh, FB, it meant FUBU, like the brand. But the second I said FB, someone shouted over the back, what's that stand for, fat boy? And I was like, oh, no. And that was it, mate. I was fat boy from then on. So I had to get rid of that tag. So I thought, everyone's calling us fat boy. Obviously, me tag's FB. I'm fat boy. I'm an 18 stone goth. Little did you know that years later, Mark Zuckerberg was going to catch on to that tag. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. shit, I, I'll have to go and see you. I've got a trademark. I'll make you a few quiz, a few bill. You know what I mean? So I mean, I was a fat, ugly, minging bastard at school. Very hard to believe that you was ever ugly, mate. I've, uh, I've had a few weeks of eating bad food. If I have a hard time at the moment, mate, me, my, uh, me, 
The thing I fall back on is food. Same. Come bad eater. Same. Same. Or like a really bad one. You know, I'm exactly the same. If you ever, like, I don't know, if you've ever been to a therapist for whatever yeah. reason, let's just say it's, it's drink or drugs. Yes. And I was asked a question through one of my traumatic experiences years ago. Yeah, yeah. And the lady said to me, and I'd never considered this, mm -hmm. never ever considered it at all. She said to me, what is your relationship with cocaine? And I thought, that's a fucking strong, huh? that's a strong, uh, complicated word. To be girlfriend? To, yeah, <laughs> to, to use, but you do have relationships. Yeah, of course with, you have, and, and, I, and I say this, but like, whether it be a substance, food, yes. pornography, gambling, you have a relationship with that vice. And, and, it's, uh, and you've got to fucking, you've got to be in the driver's seat. You've got to be the yes. best of that relationship. Yeah. But I can totally get, which is why the last two years I've completely shifted my life, yeah, my senior routines. I've shifted my relationship with food. Yeah. And now I fuck, I'm, I'm now back in love with food. Yeah. Because when something destroys you, I, like if, if you had a toxic partner, yes. eventually that love, you fucking hate them. Yeah. I was a bit like that with food. Now I love food. Yeah. I look forward to eating because I've got it under manners. You feel healthy as well. I, I feel shit because when I, when I eat shit, I feel shit. Yeah, it's not good. No, it's, it's not. It's a short fix. It's a vicious cycle. Like. So yeah, so that's still, I think if, you, I think if, you, if you're battling some form of addiction, yes. let's say, it's with you forever. Yeah. You just learn to manage it. You do. And then choose another addiction. Yes. Which is we're going to come to your comedy, which yeah. I'm sort of addicted to too. Oh man, definitely. Because it's fucking great. Yes. So, when you was a fat kid, yeah. you normally realise at school when you've got all the other lads with six packs and swinging dicks in the showers yes. and they're playing football and they're running up and down the wing yeah. and you can barely fucking breathe, get past the six yard line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You then start thinking, I wish I hadn't, I wish I'd have spent my dad's pocket money on fucking Predator football boots, yes. not McDonald's. I, so was that the point you thought, I've got to sort something out here? Well, I'll tell you exactly how, so when, the, the day it all came to an end, so we used to go to the youth clubs, so there's not very many youth clubs around the estates and stuff anymore because we lost the funding. So youth clubs is where the kids used to be able to go on an evening, there'll be a football court, there'll be a computer room and all the council estates, scallywags could go and play there. So I would go along there. I didn't play, go in the sports hall and play fucking football with the boys. I would always play in the, in the computer room, go on Google, because we didn't have a computer back in the house. So I'd go and use the computers and play on the daft games and whatnot. And then one day, the, one of the youth workers, she came up behind us and she says, Robin, because I was on the register, I goes, yeah. She was like, you're a big lad, aren't you? And I was like, she said this in front of all the girls and stuff, and I was fucking embarrassed, right? I was like, oh, I thanks for that, you fat cow. That's my friend's mom I'm talking about, yeah, by the way. So oh, you're not oh, a fat cow anymore. Obviously. Cheers. <laughs> and then <laughs> she says, my, my son's a similar size to you. He plays rugby. Why don't you come and play rugby? Now I just desperately wanted that to fuck off, right? So I was like, yeah, I'll be there. I'll see you later. Bye. I'll see you at rugby. And I put my head back around the back of the computer. Stupidly, when you sign up to a youth club, you have to put your address down. So when I said, yeah, I'll be at the rugby club, she just came to my house on the day of the rugby training, right? So I'm in my bedroom, right? Fat as fuck. Wanting over Max Payne at the time. Max Payne. Max Power. Not Max Payne. <laughs> Max Power. Max uh, Payne's a meal. Someone's going someone's gonna to crop that. I was working yeah. over Max Payne. Robin Armstrong's <laughs> mas masturbation habits. <laughs> so I was working over Max Payne. Max Power, right? Was Max Power. Obviously, the magazines when you were a kid, but Max Power, Nuts, Zoo. Obviously, you could get away with going to Max, taking the Max Power book in the, in the toilet because obviously it was a car magazine. It wasn't a dirty magazine, you know? Little did they know you was wanking over the exhaust pipe. I, 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 oh, that was what's going on. <laughs> and Max Payne. So I'm mid-wank over Max Payne. And uh, my mom goes, there's a woman at the door for you. And I was like, is there a fuck? There's never been a woman at the door for us. You know what I mean? I was like, there's not a woman. She was like, there is some like, some, like older woman. 
So I was like, I didn't understand what- Did you say, as luck would have it, I'm uh, fucking ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> me and I, me and that time, I was so fucked, you couldn't even see me not. But anyway, so I could have went down with a stiffy and you wouldn't have seen it. You know what I mean? You probably would have tucked it in. So when I got her at the door, I realized it was the youth worker. And she was like, are you ready? And I was like, for what? She was like, for rugby. I'm fucking, mate, when I say I was fat, I was monstrous. I was a size 52 inch waist, right? His stepdad was a big fat bloke. He used to borrow me jeans and they were too big for him, right? You know, like this big. Yeah, 52 inches. 52 big. was big. Mate. Yeah, 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 that's big. So she was like, I'm in the street, come and get in the street. So I like, my mum was like, go on, get yourself away. So I was fucking, I was so humiliated that I had to go and play rugby. So I get in the fucking, this little minivan with all our big fat sons, my pals, I can call them that. And I got in, I was like double the size. They were quite fat kids. And how old were you at this stage? 13, I think I was. 13. I was monstrous. And that's a, you, you've, you're vulnerable with 13. Oh, vulnerable, mate. Vulnerable. Yeah, totally. I had no idea what to want to do in my life. I'd never done any exercise. I used to avoid PE. Now I'm in a fucking guard. Going so did I. You know what I mean? So did I. Oh, I'd avoid everything. I couldn't be asked, mate. I've any excuse. Oh, I've brought my mum's bra in by, by accident instead of my PE top. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Do you remember the fear you would feel when the word 1500 metres was, oh. was even suggested? Cross country, that's what Oz was. Oh, it was the worst. Nah, mate. No, I wouldn't. I'd just refuse to do it. I would sit in the rain and get detention. I, I fuck. had a groin strain every time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I just didn't. I mean, I'm mocking you. Like, I was like a three year old child, would get on the field and I would sit on the floor. The teacher would be grilling his look at all these. And I was just like, I don't give a flying fuck what you're saying, yeah. Well, the, the rugby club, though, I walked into the changing rooms. Now, every 13-year-old was built like a fucking typical 13-year-old. They weighed about, spot eight stones, nine stones max. That's how I put it that, that weight. So when I come waddling in the changing rooms, knocking over people's bags and that, they were like, fucking hell, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm 13. And they were like, everyone was giggling. I was embarrassed. And I was on the verge of walking away and leaving because I didn't like, I didn't like the, the, the reaction I was getting. So then we'll get marched onto the field. There's about 40 kids and I'm fucking waddling over. I literally hadn't run 20 meters in my life, mate. And they were like, right, we're going to warm up. We're going to run around the pitch. And I was like thinking of every excuse to leave. Mm. But I did it. I got around. I felt like shit just because I didn't want to be embarrassed. And then we started having a game of uh, contact rugby. So the ball come down and they passed it to me. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm fucking sitting there. I've got the ball balancing on, balancing on my belly. And she was like, run, run. Just walk down. So I was just waddling down the pitch towards these kids, mate, and they were fucking bouncing off as like ping-pongs, right? They were going ping, ping, and I was injuring them all, just walking through them. So when I got to the end, they were like, put the ball down, put the ball down. So I've dropped the ball, like slammed it down. They're like, no, you've got to touch the ground. But I turned around and seen everyone was like, hands in the head, like, what the fuck, he's unstoppable, because I was like a tank, mate, at that age. No one could get it, because I was so fat. So, and you must have had the energy that you've got now still in you oh, then. Yeah, definitely. When it kicked in, you must yeah. have been full of it. Well, if for the first time I remember, like it was yesterday, it was like taking cocaine for the first time to turn around and have everyone clapping and praising you. Go, oh, he's unstoppable. I was like, whoa. That's I've lovely. never had no one say that before. Oh, that's nice. You man. know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's nice. So then it was like, right, give us the ball again. And then it was like, from that, from that second on, I wanted the ball constantly because I wanted to fucking knock these kids on the floor because everyone was like, he's the best. And then from then on, mate, in the space of, I think it was in the space of six months, I lost 10 stone, like flew off us. Cause I'd never done exercise my whole life ever. Yeah. Everywhere I went, I was carrying rugby ball. Obviously I wasn't a goth anymore. My dad was, seeing me dad being happy that I was getting into a sport motivated him even more. You know what I mean? He was like, what are you playing? You're playing a sport? What are you playing? Did they, did they put, I mean, as, as a big young yeah. lad, I'm assuming they're going to put you as a loose head or a tight head. I was prop, prop, I prop, started yeah. prop. Same, you know what I mean? So did they then move, did, once you lost the weight, yeah. did they move you to like 
yeah. flanker or something else. Yeah, I started. So I went from, I was a loose head prop and then I lost a bit of weight and I was hooker for a bit because I was good at getting the ball. I was, yeah. I was quite aggressive when we went to the scrum. I'd, I'd throw me leg in. The same as I went prop, then hooker. Yeah, same. kicking them in the legs and whatnot. And then because I was kicking people in the legs all the time, the putters is a blindside flanker first because I was, I was, the nutty flanker. I, nutty. I was always the number eight, was always the biggest player, and I was always the most aggressive on my team. Mm -hmm. The rugby the rugby scene around the gate said it's it's surrounded by people like false rich people or generally half well off people, no council estate kids. The odd one would get in and they would leave soon after. But I loved it. I, it was the first time I'd been accepted into a team, and because I was so heavy, I felt like I was great. So I stuck, I stuck at it. I lost all my weight. I ended up playing, I had county trials. Uh, I got called up to an England trail, but when I got there, mate, the kids who are the England trails have been fed steroids for the breakfast since they were fucking two years old. Well, nonetheless, though, to be, oh. to be to be called up to that yeah, yeah. level is fucking beautiful. Oh, I was dedicated, mate. I was really dedicated. I played for like a 12 years. I played most of the levels, and then they the always said, one day you'll find drinking drugs and stuff like that, and I was like, never. My dad sponsored the team. I had Rob Armstrong on the front of the pitch and stuff. was sponsored by Canterbury because, obviously, my dad was so invested in the club, and I didn't think I was ever going to leave. But just as they did say it was drinking drugs, drinking drugs, <laughs> and girls came along, you know what I mean, and that was it. I, so I stopped playing. So what age did you stop playing? I stopped playing when I was, I think I was a my 18th birthday. I went on two out of Scotland. We played against Edinburgh and Musselburgh and whatnot. And then when I came back, probably 19 years old, I stopped playing. I think. I mean, thank God for rugby because yeah, yeah. Because when you're fat, when you're really, really fat, yes. you can you well, you're invisible to a certain extent, but yes. you also. You lose your identity. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, when you look at your face, yeah. like it's a very, very nice looking face. Yes. But when it's covered in with blubber, <laughs> oh, me, it's me. You, you don't even look like you. No, you, you don't. don't even know you haven't you haven't got the looks that you're blessed with. No. You just look like another blob. You do. And is so anybody that wants to start recognizing themselves, that's good incentive to, to lose weight because you don't really know what you look like nah, until you, you lose weight. Two different complete. I'm like, when I'm fat and when I'm skinny, mate, I'm too complete. I go from Uncle Festa to I'm not going to go Vin Diesel. We'll say Matt Lucas. I'll go from Uncle, Uncle Festa to Matt Lucas. Go Vin Diesel. Okay, then. Go, go Vin Diesel. Right, okay. <laughs> Matt Lucas to Vin Diesel. That's why that's the difference. So anyone that wants to look better, you do, if you're currently fat, because I try and see if you're overweight, look, if you're fat, you could be a very good looking person underneath there, but you have to get there. You have to yeah. push yourself to the 10 stone. If you're a man, get yourself to 11, 10 stone. And you'll see your max potential. If oh, not, fucking, I'd look, I'd look ill at 10, 11. Would you? Yeah, I'm about full, about 14 now, but yeah. I was 18 too, only 24 months ago. Yeah. And what, what you have to, you have to be honest with yourself yeah. as well. When you're sitting there at 18.2 stone. Yes. You may be laughing and joking and crack, you know, being the center of attention. You're not happy inside. No, you're not me. Like the, you, 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 the outside image is a great representation of how you truly feel. It you is. look, you look like shit. I guarantee yeah. you, you feel like shit. And it ain't a nice place to be, but it is good incentive to yep. think, shit, I've got to make a, I've got to make a change. Big time. Because you've obviously gone full circle again, but yes. there's obviously, there's you, you've had a wobble. There's ups and downs. Like, like any other human being. So from lead, so from quitting the rugby, yep. I'm assuming that's because your your features were then on display. Yes. So women are now attracted to you. Yeah, yeah. Robin Armstrong's face is like, hello, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here. Yeah. So women are interested in you. You're obviously that's reciprocated. You're interested in them. Yeah, yeah. Just lost me weight and became a became a young lad for the first time. And about in the town. Yeah, all that. And, made. and Newcastle, the party scene is unbelievable. Oh, wild! It's the best fun. Wild! It's one of the best places in the country, wild. and the people are great. I, yeah. I, for the record, I love a Geordie. I think I even said it with Tom. Absolutely love Newcastle. Yes. L love it. So 
where so you've gone from fat kid rugby found yourself you you look different yeah then you you're there England trials and then obviously something has changed yes I'll tell you where, where exactly what changed so when I got um, 15 years old my mum uh, decided she to move from Newcastle from Gateshead so my mum said oh one day she announced oh I'm moving to Berwick upon Tweed and I was like well I can't I can't move to Berwick upon Tweed and my mum was shocked by that but obviously she that was where she was wanting to go so. When she left, I got in touch with my dad and was like, look at me, mum's moving to Berwick. How far is that from Newcastle? Berwick's about uh, about an hour, an hour, an hour and a half drive, I would say. It's Scotland, so it's like Newcastle. Oh, Scotland. Yeah, that's a long way. But especially for a 15-year-old kid. Oh, mid, middle of my GCSEs, terrible time to move. We fell out with each other because of it, but then obviously we we'll speak to each other now. It's just, mum, it wasn't a long-term thing, but, well, it was actually fucking bastard mum moving away, spoiled my life, right? So, <laughs> she, um, my mum moved away. Now, I was always a quite a quiet, I was always funny, I say the funny, fat, funny kid at school, always dead polite, I've always been nice, mate. I'm never, I'm never nasty to anybody, unless you've been nasty to us. Um, so, I was I was quite vulnerable when my mum moved away, and then I tried to get, I, I was going to live with my dad, but my dad obviously had his own life with his wife and stuff, so he was like, you're not living here. So, I had to get my own plate. My dad bought us a flat, but I wasn't ready to live in a flat by myself. Mm. So this is why I turned, because when my mum moved away, I was very much a mammy's boy, mate. I was a fat, lazy mammy's boy, and she'd done everything for us. So when she moved away, I wasn't prepared to live by myself. So what I'd done was, in order to have, in, in order to, uh, have people around us, I would throw these mad parties, like the fucking, I'm talking American Pie, mad parties. But this obviously was the downfall of my dad's relationship with us, because he paid for the house that I lived in, and I needed people a bit to be around. I didn't realize how needy I was until my mom left. Mm. So when you're 16 year old me and you're sitting by yourself in a house, I was like, I wasn't ready to live by myself. There's no greater love than, than a son and a mum. I mean, it's, nothing. it's powerful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm a mummy's boy. Yeah. So to lose that. Proud as well. Oh, proud me. I'm, I'm saying, proud like, of it. Fuck me me you know neither. I mean? That's what I thought. So when my mom, when, when my mom left, it left a big hole in me, in me heart, in, in me, the way the person I was, I had to adjust, mate. For instance, I didn't start drinking until I was like 15 years old, mate. I never even thought of it. I was totally anti-drink, anti-smoke. Drugs wasn't even a fucking question. If someone said drugs, I would go, I fucking, yeah. I'll give them a lecture of how bad junkie. it is. Junkie. If you were smoking a tab, you were a junkie in my eyes. Yeah, That's how yeah. bad it was. Smoking a cigarette, you were a fucking heroin addict in my face because mm. I'd been, been drilled into us. But when my mum left, me, my personality, it was like, it was a shock. It was a culture shock, really, because I was like, right, I'm by myself. Now I have to pay bills. I have to do this overnight, mate, from going and sitting playing fucking wanking over Max Payne to fucking sitting having to buy, pay my own bills and buy shopping. And I wasn't ready for that. So I had to adjust. So what I started to do was this is where this is where the drugs and drink came into it. This is where I started fucking fucking everything up. At the age 17, I'll tell you. 17 now. Nine. So I lived by myself from then, got my own flat. Um, my dad set us up with a job in one of his businesses. I was an electrician for a year. But I wasn't, I wasn't qualified to be an electrician. My dad was like, what do you want to do when you leave school? Have an ADHD when you were younger. It was too early to, to, to tell anyone what it was. Mm. So I couldn't explain to me very wise, scary dad what I wanted to do. I couldn't even give him a slight as he was like, well, what do you want to fucking do? Do you want to be a, do you want to be a fucking bricklayer? Do you want to have a trade? Do you want to? And I was like, I don't know. Don't know. And that was, I used to send him insane. And the last thing somebody of ADHD needs is a hundred and one options. Why, mate? Like, <laughs> ones you don't like the sound yeah. of as well. Do you want to be a roofer? Scared of fucking heights? No. Yeah. Do you want to work on the roads? I'm like, I'm scared of the cold? No. I'm scared of most things when it comes to physical labor. So eventually, my dad was like, Look, I've got your job as an electrician. And I was like, Electrician? And he was like, Yeah, you've got to start work on Monday. So I never got the chance. When you leave school, you normally get six weeks off. Then you'll start looking at unis and whatever, colleges. 
I never got that time off to be a kid. I had to went from school on the Friday to work on the Monday. I left school and started work. And I wasn't clever enough to do it, mate. Me, me GCSE results, like I got the fucking maths grades were like F, I failed miserably. From going from failing your GCSEs to then going to do electrical science, trigonometry, I was fucking, there was no way I could do it. So what I'd done was, uh, when I would go to college, I would cheat. I would copy off the kid who sat next to us called Craig. So at the end of every semester, I would have to do an exam. And I would sit next to Craig and just go like this and copy off everything. Now on the, my dad was- Shout out to Craig. Shout out to Craig. No, Craig's, I'll tell you what happened at the end. Craig doesn't like us anymore for this. So, uh, fuck you. Uh, fuck you, Craig, you grass. <laughs> right. So I'm fucking, uh, I, I cheated all my exams, right? Which is dangerous, mate. If you cheat an electrician's exam, it's dangerous. Yeah. If you pass and you get in the house and you fucking grab a wire and kill yourself, mm. it's cause you cheated in your exams, right? So I successfully cheated all the way through. And then uh, on the final exam of the year, this was to get your first year qualification, right? I goes into the exam room and they put the they put the exam room into booths. So instead of it being an open plan table where I could just sit and copy, they put loads of big booths, right? So I was like, what the fuck's this? So I sat in my booth. Craig was miles away. I couldn't see him, right? And when I sat down, I was like, hey, Brian, what the fuck's this all about? Like, why, why is the booths? He's like, oh, just so people can't cheat. And then Brian moved out of the way and my dad is sitting with the tutor. No one else's dad sitting with a tutor. My dad is sitting with a tutor in the college, right? just before I'm about to do my exam. So I was like, I, I pretended I didn't see him and he went back in the booth and I was like, oh my fucking God, why is we dad yeah? And then Brian came over, it was the, the, the tutor and said, listen, you're probably wondering why your dad's sitting over there. Now my dad's a fucking 20 odd stone monster, right? So I was like, I am Brian, why is my dad's in the <laughs> exam board? He went, well, the suspicion that you've been cheating. So before I'd started being an electrician, my dad contacted the college and said, listen, my son's a bit flighty. If he does anything wrong, if he's lazy, if he cheats, whatever, you ring me straight away. I didn't know they'd made this deal, right? <laughs> so my dad comes over at the table, puts his hand on my shoulder, nearly breaks it right and goes, eh, so you're gonna pass your exams, aye? And I was like, yes, of course I'm gonna pass my exams. My dad goes back to the room, I start the exam. I didn't even put my name on the right, on the right uh, line on the front of the paper, right? So I got no questions right. So this shows you that my knowledge was zero of electrical. <laughs> zero. I put my name on the wrong list, like a fucking absolute, I'm not going to use a bad word, made like an, the biggest idiot you could have ever imagined. So at the end of it, I was dripping a sweat, right? Dripping. I went back and my dad was literally looking in my eyes as the bloke was counting me, counting me results. He was like, you're going to pass, I And he's a scary bastard, right? So I was like, oh, definitely going to pass. He's like, ah, sorry, Rob, you failed. I was like, oh, I must have just failed. Nah, you didn't get a single question right. And my dad was like, so one of you has been fucking, so you've been fucking cheating. I was like, you, I went, well, what's made you think this? I've been cheating. And he was like, well, Craig and you have got the same answers all the way through. So one of you have been cheating. I was like, well, it's obviously fucking Craig. I'm not fucking cheating. <laughs> so then they brought the evidence out, made sure there's all of Craig's answers and all of my answers. And I was like, yeah, I put my hands up. And uh, we fell out with each other and I lost that job. And then I went back with the gutter for a few for a few years. That's why we don't like Craig anymore. Craig's a fucking, well, look at Craig, you're a clever boy. Thanks for letting us pass me first for your exams. But in the end of it, he said that it was me who cheated. Yeah, grass is unacceptable. Fucking grass, dirty grass. I hope he grabs it alive boy at some point in his life. Yeah, yeah me too. Fucking it kills him. Yeah. <laughs> and and ever, everyone else he knows. Aye, aye, mate. I hope his whole family cold hands. I hope they're doing a conga line and it just zaps one of the bastards. So uh, that's what happened to me first ever job. And that's, uh, was that the question? Did I go off on one there? You probably did, but it was a nice one. You, okay. went, it was, it was, you went off on a lovely tangent and it yeah. had a romantic ending. We nice. wished Craig and everyone he knows dead. That was yeah. nice. And then, uh, <laughs> what, and then you got into sales, didn't you? Then I got into sales. So 
after I'd lost my job as an electrician, um, me dad, I was looking for a job and I was fucking just couldn't, I just couldn't find one because my brain didn't, I didn't, for instance, preparing a CV. Me, when you ADHD, the stuff I was putting on my CV was just not relevant to get a job. You know what I mean? Like, what are your hobbies? So I was like, oh, really love GTA. Love GTA because you can do this. The cars are really good. Like, just stuff you would just, like a fucking idiot would write a CV, mate. So I was losing, I wasn't ever getting jobs and stuff. And then my dad eventually forgave us for, for obviously cheating, being an electrician for a whole year. And he went, listen, well, what do you want to do? Like, obviously you're fucking useless. My dad was, his, his, his pep talks were fucking vicious, right? Well, obviously you're fucking useless. So <laughs> what, what are you going to do? You want to be a fucking cleaner or something? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And he was like, right, I'll tell you what. So he came up with an idea that I was going to be a recruitment consultant. So that was your dad's idea? Yeah, I, so, uh, I, so he, owned, he owned the agency, you see. He owned a, a big, successful recruitment agency. I can see you being the best at that. Oh, it was good. I was. I run, a recru I run a recruitment Yeah, I do, I. So I've done, yeah. I done all of that, you see. I've done all of, the, all of the interviewing process and filing and whatnot and going, to, going on to different, um, different sites and taking the candidates in and doing inductions and stuff. But it took us a long time. For the first year and a half, I was the fucking, I would make the teas and stuff. So when I first got sent in this job, I can say this now because I don't work there anymore. I walked in and there was a type, there was a man who was seven foot two, right? He was a mate, the longest man, like a fucking big bit of spaghetti, right? This big minging bastard called Muzzer. And he was my dad's director. My dad basically owned the business. He was, a he was one of the directors. So when I walked in, I noticed this huge seven foot leather man, mate. He's a sunbed king, right? Like, I'm, you must have went on four times a day, right? The kid was fucking, <laughs> I thought he was a wooden statue when I first seen him, right? He was a real person. So when I walked in, I heard my dad call him Muzzy. He was like, oh, Muzzy, listen. And everyone was fucking obviously digging my dad's ass because he's the owner and who he is and whatnot. So I just assumed when my dad left that I could speak to this Muzzy the same as what my dad was. So I was like, oh, all right, Muzzy. When my dad left, he was like, listen, uh, don't call us that in front of people, right? And I was like, marry Muzzy. You know, like, I didn't give a fuck. And my dad's the boss. Mm. Turns out, like, Muzzy doesn't like being called this, right? No one calls him Muzzy other than my dad. He's a big, notorious bully, this seven-foot thing, right? So as I'm sitting doing my desk on the, on the first day, I heard him go to this kid in the corner, Owen, you fucking stupid little cunt, get around here now. So I was like, fucking hell, what did he just say to him there? So he went around, he was like, put your phone on the floor. So Owen puts his phone on the floor because he wasn't listening to him when he was talking to him and he smashed his phone, stamping on a race. So I was like, what the fuck has just happened? From that day on, mate, he was the most abusive boss. I'm not, it was, it was like a fucking film, right? Like you would never see it. A bully. Oh, really bad bully. And he was only a bully because my dad was his, was, his, was his gaffer, really. He would never have bullied anyone else. In real life, he's just a fucking string bean. So it got really out of control, right? Those corporate bullies are some of the worst. Oh, the worst. They're all, they're all psychological. They're all narcissistic. Yeah. They're all, they're all so like bad. Hide, hiding some insecurity yeah, of themselves yeah. and it just makes them project it so bad. Big time. He was a cocaine addict, a steroid abuser, but he was, his body was so long that the steroids wouldn't do anything anyway. It just got longer. <laughs> it just kept going I up. I mean, like a bean sprout, right? So yeah, you got to work on your whip, fuzzy. <laughs> like do some fucking flies or something, for fuck's sake. He was useless. But yeah, he was a womanizer. So for instance, when a woman would come in to get interviewed, if I was interviewing a woman and it was a good looking woman or whatever, he would purposely interrupt, go out, excuse me, darling, are you all right? Let me know if that fat cunt says anything wrong, right? He's a fucking just a useless fat cunt. Like that is literally what it would be like me. It was like to the point where one woman I was interviewed when he said something. So like, had you gained the weight back by this stage? No, then? no, he would just call the fat cunt for the crack. I'd lost my weight. I'd started losing my weight at this point. This is where, and then I stopped going like I was heavy into me boxing and stuff like that until, until the time come I had enough and get him told. 
But it got so bad, mate, I couldn't... I got, it was so bad in my job place. He was bullying everyone that much. Like, he would go, put it this way, he went to me one day. He went, listen, you, you fat cunt. Fat cunt was his favourite term to call us, right? He went, go to McDonald's, get me a fucking... I think it was a, he wanted a breakfast meal, but he didn't want any cheese on. So I went straight up. Right? Oh, sorry, sorry. Went and got him a bit of food. I came back, and when he'd opened it, it had cheese on. And he said, what the fuck's this? A fucking cheese. I couldn't believe it, right? So I fucking stood up. I went, listen, I'll fucking sell about you in a minute, you big daft bastard. I went, you need to fucking stop speaking. He's like, you cunt. And then he didn't like it. So he went out and rang me dad. But instead of ringing me, because he obviously, I said, yeah, I'll fucking tell me dad that you've been shouting this like this. Like, who you fucking told you? I've had enough of you. And he rang me dad. And when my dad came in for a meeting, he fucking convinced me dad. And it was like the boy who cried wolf. He was going, Rob, he stood up and tried to embarrass me in front of everyone. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, that wasn't what happened at all. He was like, Rob, like, come on. And obviously my dad, because I'd lied, obviously, about several things in the previous years. Yeah. My dad was like, didn't believe whatever I said. Doubted you again. Yeah, he doubted us. He was like, listen, I fucking do. Obviously, I, it, it, if I was doing that, I would have expected to be told off like I was. But I was, I had enough of it. I was like, yeah. And, and it's a shame because you, your dad being the big, strong, smart yeah, yeah, businessman, he is he. One way or another, he's been manipulated by, oh, totally by, manipulated by, by this guy. But I don't blame him, like I say, because I was, I don't, mate, when your dad's a big scary bastard, you do lie lots to them because you're fucking scared of them, you know what I mean? So I do understand why he assumed that what Muzza was saying was the truth. But then when eventually it turned out, it's cute when I left, because I walked out, I fucking walked out the job, I got a plate of fucking to iron out, and I just didn't come back, I just fucking pawed life away. But I'll build up that. So the, the, the drug abuse and the yeah. drinking and the partying, the, like the American party style yeah, pies, yeah, yeah. was that all whilst you were working in recruitment? Yeah. Because that isn't going to work. No. Because the, 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 the recruitment is high pressure. It is. It's, you've got to be thinking real quick off your feet and you've yeah. got to be clear headed. So if you, you mix that with like a hangover or a come down or whilst you're actually in the eye of the storm yeah. out of your fucking tits. Yeah. Stress mate. You're going to, you're going to implode. Oh, killers. Literally killers. It was the time when MCAT came out. Can you remember MCAT? I never delved. So MCAT was, me. I, me, I was like, I say 18 years old and I was anti-drug. I didn't try a drug until I was like 18 years old. I was like, nah, I don't like them. I don't want to do them ever. What happened was I got a phone call off your pal saying you need to come down to this pub where people who I didn't get along with were down there. So the intention was we we're going to go down this bar and have a fight with them. It was in a Jolly Miller, it was called, and Gate said. So when we've turned up with this bar and we've seen all the, all the people we didn't get along with, I was looking across to them, getting full of vodka, and I thought, right, we're going to fight these kids here. And then one of them came over and said, oh, do you want to try this bubble? And I was like, fuck off. Out we face for a fucking dots. You want like bubble? I'm not trying that drug. And they're like, no, no, this is legal. This is legal. I was like, what do you mean legal? Like, What's a bubble? Bubble was, so MCAT was a nick, nickname for MCAT was bubble. Right, okay. It was plant fertilizer. That, was. Yeah, that come well after, like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm yes, 10 years yeah, too old for that. Yeah, yeah, 2000s. It was late 2000s, this was like 2012 or 13, something like that. So I was like, when I'd seen that it was legal, I needed proof first. They got it up on the phone. He was like, this is the shop that sells it, five pound a gram. And it was a big old gram. This is the receipt. So in my head, I'm like, well, it's legal, it's harmless, it's not a drug, I'll have a little go. Made the worst thing I could have ever done. I had one little key of this fucking, this, this plant fertilizer. MCAT. MCAT, mate, right? And it was fucking the best thing I've ever, it was like, it hit us, and instantly the people who I was at the bar to go and have a fucking battle with, we, I was like, the, well, basically my boyfriend, I was like, yeah, come here, mm. come here. And he was on it as well, and we're like, yeah, Forget about everything and what I'll like, mate. You I think it's called plant fertilizer because your fucking your hands actually start to photosynthesize or like this towards the sunlight. You know what I mean? I was like this, 
And then before you knew it, I had a hundred of them. He flat. All my enemies were sitting. Was sitting with us, and we were best friends. All sitting in a circle. All like this, look, sweating. Like looking at Max stamps. Power. I wanted over Max Power <laughs> all the way. But it was that was it, mate. That that one hit of this 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 legal substance that I may add, if it's legal, it can't be dangerous. The effect was so powerful on my brain. I, I needed I needed to more and more. So from then on, it was like right every weekend we'll all go because it was five pound a gram, mate. If you spent a hundred pound, you are, you'd you get yourself a few fucking kilo. You know what I mean? We would go to parties, would have piles of it like this big on the table because it was legal. Do you know what? I thought of all the people I've spoke to about yeah. drugs, I'm interested in. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm interested in where it takes people because yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't normally take any. It doesn't normally take people to a good place. Yes, eventually. Oh, of course. It takes you to space initially, oh, and you're this. absolutely tuned yes. to the moon and you're loving life. But yeah. in the long run, it doesn't normally take you to a good place. So I'm interested in at what point it fucked them. I, yeah. I don't know anyone that started on MCAT. Yeah. So this is interesting. And it was the first. So MCAT was the first one, like I say, and it was, it was legal. And then I had a lot. So you've done that before you smoked path, done amphetamines. Oh, all of that. Straight at MCAT. Yeah, straight because MCAT. it was legal. It was you legal. thought it was okay. I thought it was safe. And then because the same shop was called Card Bar in Newcastle. So it was a, it was a pizza shop that sold these drugs. Right, so you had happy pizza. These people tell you about real happy, right? Oh, the <laughs> so I'm not kidding you when I say this. You could get legal high poured on your pizza. That's what it, this shop was like. So it was across the road from the nightclub. So when the nightclubs would finish, everyone would head happy, uh, head a happy pizza, whether that was for a pizza or some legal highs. So when I sampled this fucking MCAT, I was like, fucking hell, what the fuck was that? That was great. And they're like, oh, come to the shop. They sell loads of different legal highs. So before you know it, we're getting loads of salvia and all these mad drugs that were all legal. Salvia. Salvia. That's another one. Mate, salvia, man. So, I, so yeah. the first thing I tried was MCAT. Then we tried a salvia pipe. Oh, MCAT to sniff it, yeah. I sniffed it, I sniffed it, but the part, it was like glass. Yeah. It smelled like cat piss. And it would come out of your paws instantly. It was all the baddest... Yeah, fuck me, it was disgusting. Then Salvia, I had a Salvia pipe and my fucking friend turned into a Lego block in front of my eyes and that was the end of that. So that's hallucinogenic. Hallucinogenic, aye. So and you smoke it as if you were cracked. Smoking like a, like, no, like, well, you smoke, like, well, see, you smoke like a ball rather than crack. Right. Okay. <laughs> but yes, <yeah, still laughs> was Not that I'm insinuating yeah. that you smoke crack. No, I never, I've never, the only drugs I've never tried was like crack and heroin. You know, like the hard, hard ones, but the rest of them, progressively, as my session days, as I met new people and stuff. The they evolved. Yeah. It got out of control when I realized where, so the MCAT, cause you would stay awake for days and days and days and it would, and then eventually you like, like any other drug you would, you would get, uh, your, your tolerance would go up. So is it like an amphetamine based? Yeah, kind of feeling? like that, like, like, like that. So basically mean it was instant love, instant love. you everyone was talking shit. Your body felt like it was constantly in like a, just like a lush spasm. Tingling. Tingly, yeah. But then obviously the government got a hold, got got news of it that it was that it was getting sold in shops and someone died. I think someone had to die before they could get rid of it. Yeah. So someone died, then they obviously banned it, and it started getting sell off peep drug dealers. Then for a just a really short amount of time, then eventually it just fizzled out. But that was the catalyst which started my mad drug journey, which made us eventually move away and move and live abroad and get a job working as a fucking. I was working as a. Um, so I lost my job, you see, and then I lost my job. I lost my second job with my dad. So I lost the electrician's job. Yeah. Went to recruitment. Then I fucking, after four years, I had enough. And I went, fuck this, I'm gunning. And in amongst the recruitment was the MCAT and the salvia. Yes, yes. And then you went INAPA. Yeah, INAPA. And then it got really out of control. Then I got really out of control. I, so basically, what, what I'd found out, well, me did, when I started fucking everything up and going off the reels, my dad, because my dad owned my dad owned me flat, you see, but he never ever come to it because we'd fell out with each other about the year before that. So he just gave us me flat and stayed out of the way. So obviously I had like fucking 200 people in the two bedroom flat, but it was a masonette. So it was an old person living there, me, 
old person, old person shed corridor. So to have parties made with a was a liberty, really, because it was like, you know what I mean? There's an old man, probably got PTSD off the war, and he's having to relive it every night, because I was like, tunes pumping, didn't give a fuck, I didn't give a fuck, mate. And it was a shame, because obviously, if I'd been given that opportunity off my dad now, and he sorted us out, obviously, I'm an adult, and I've been from my wild days, but like, I'm talking, he had a 10 grand table that he'd give us out of his bed, out of his house in me, in me flat, marble, fucking gladiator and um, pillars and stuff like that. So it was the fanciest table you've ever seen. I didn't really want it. He just gave us it because he, he was getting new furniture and we would open bottles on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, ah, smashing bottles on you, it. You thought that's a good service for ah, an cat. Yeah, I mean, this will be good for the cat. So, mate, it was fucking ruined, right? Put a slug on there. I another slug. And then if he, anyone wants a bottle opened, I put it on this 10 grand table. Bang, kicked <sighs> the table, right? I didn't give it, I didn't care because I was just, I was all over the shop. It's enough to make you wince. Oh, that. wince. Oh, well, what a bit you wince What comes next? So I'm fucking sitting in the house, 200 people in my house, right? Fucking tunes blasting, fucking tables smashed, carpets are burnt, fucking my bedside cabinet snapped off and everything. Some lasses sick in the fuck, sick in the, in the sink that has a plug in it. So it's full of the brim. So I have to put my hand and get it. The buzzer goes downstairs. No one presses me buzzer, man. I was like, that can only be one person. And everyone was like, who is it, who is it? And someone went, some fucking barley bloke at your door. I was like, oh, sweet dad. You would, you would have preferred the old bill. Oh, I would have preferred the fucking, I would have preferred Al-Qaeda to come running through the door, <laughs> mate, right? So I was like, fuck. Everyone was running out of the windows and that jumping out to escape, right? And then eventually it was just me left and a smoking bong and all of the damage. And a sink full of puke. And a sink full of puke. The baths fucking got shit in it and that. <laughs> and uh, he'd, he'd spent like 50 grand doing it up, mate. So I do understand why he probably hates us for it. So he comes, he walking in, and there was no escape. He can't get past him. Couldn't get past him on a fucking, on a football field, mate. He's that big, you know what I mean? So I was like, shit. And he kicked the bong and the bong just went all over him. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to murder us. And then he... And there's nothing worse than bong water. Oh, nah. Fuck ming, me. Minging. Like, back, it was disgusting. And I'm ashamed of how dirty I did make the flat. Because after, after everything he'd done for us. And so then he fucking got it. He sat us down and gave us the serious word. He was like, listen, this is the fucking crack. I'll never speak to you again if you do this. Do this and I will never speak to you again. Did he ever grab you up? Oh, I will not. Only once, only once. But I deserved that as well. Years and years ago, I was in a bar and I was... I, was, I went at this bar and I was only like 13 and this bar let us in and I stupidly went in and started being cheeky to some of the locals. Like, do you know who my dad is sort of thing? I wish I didn't like, but obviously a 13 year old, your dad's who he is. That's just what happens. Cool. Stupidly, the people who I was trying to give a bit of grief managed to get a message back to my dad. So my dad, me, I was living at my sister's at the time and my sister said, my first ever hangover, Sunday morning, my sister knocked us up and was like, your dad's in the garden. I was like, why? He never comes across this end. He lives in Newcastle. He didn't come randomly. He would only come on a Friday to get us Sunday morning in my garden. No reason. So when I come downstairs, I couldn't remember what happened the night before. I was like, what's going on? He was like, in the fucking car now. And I was like, oh my God. I had boxer shorts on, 18 stone, big tits, mate. Big tits. Right. Nice. Tits. Oh, nice tits. Big poop. As long as they're nice, nice tits. tits. I know what I mean. I know it was a sex offender's dream, right? So he was like, in the car. My old man would have loved you. Oh, your old man would have shattered. <laughs> right? So my old man goes, come on in the car. So I've walked down. I was like, I'll just put my T-shirt on. He was like, in the car now. So I like walked down. I walked down. I get in his car. I'm like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my tits, covering my tits like a girl would be like this, right? And he was like, should have yeah. put your tassels on. Oh, I should have. Like, what? <laughs> What's going on? 
And he goes, hey, right, listen, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And I was like, all right. And he says, obviously, if you, if you, if you lied to us, I'm going to slap you. And I was, he's never slapped us before. And I was like, right. And I thought, right, obviously, the next answer is going to be the, how I don't get a slap. And he was like, and if you tell the truth, I'm fucking still going to slap you. And I was like, well, I'm trying to work it out in my head. So how do I not get slapped? You know what I mean? <laughs> Would it be okay if I, I, if I went for the slap? Is there a third answer <laughs> if I don't get slapped? So I was like looking at it. I probably had down. I looked at the car. I looked at the car door handle and he just went boop and locked the child locks on, right? Now I'm stuck in the car next to him. I'm 18 stone. I'm in my boxer shorts. We tits are all over. He's breathing in my face like this. Questioning us. He was like, where were you last night? I was like, uh, last night. I was at Mark's house. Bang! First slap. Pissed me pants, obviously terrified. I was like, right, I'll have to tell the truth from now on. Where were you? I was like, I was in the bar. 13 year old me, I'm in the bar, deserve a clip, you know what I mean? So he was like, right, where's the fucking bar? And I was like, oh no, why do you want to know where the bar is? He's like, take us to the bar. So I was like, shit. So he took us to the bar, which is on the busiest, on Sheriff Hill where I'm from, busy highway, main street. Put his, took us to the bar, he went, get out of the car. I got out of the car in my box of shorts, 18 stone, holding me big lush tits, right? Go to the door, he went, wait there. I was like, oh no. So now I'm standing on the busy highway, in me boxers, pissed myself, tits are out, cars are beeping the horn, probably thinking I'm a brass working. Wolf whistling, yeah. Hi, wolf whistling. <laughs> and then booing is Someone even booed his man, drove oh. past. Who boos a fat kid? That's the ultimate insult. I've ever been booed before, mate. <laughs> Boo! Was that? Oh. That's just jealousy. Either way, boobs might be insane. Maybe yeah. it's because like, I drove off, I didn't get the bzz at the end. Yeah, that's boobs. what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking through the window, and my dad obviously goes in and says, Listen, my son was in here last night, fucking 13 year old. And she said, Oh, what can I get you? And that was enough to send him off, you know what I mean? So obviously, I seen him like, What oh, can you get him? Fucking nothing, you cheeky bastard. He's a fucking child. Like, if he ever comes in here again, all that shit. And then I think just to annoy us, uh, he got a drink. <laughs> so I was looking for the window like that, waiting for him to come back out. You know what I mean? Like, how oh, hey, I've, I've learned my lesson, come out. Oh, so he's, he's, he's turned around he, with a drink, he was like that. He's kept you outside whilst he's in there having, having a bevy. You know what I mean? So he was like that, and I was like, oh, holy boxer shorts, mate, it was the worst. And then he came out and he's like, right, come on in the car. But he just had a way with He's like, look at because of who he is and stuff that's happened years ago. He was like, you're a target. If, you, if someone recognized you, they could have come and got you. Mm. So I'm chat to give you a life lesson. He would always give a big wad of cash after he'd tell us off. You know what I mean? You fucking little fat knob, there's hair blood. There you go, there's some money. It's almost worth the slap. I mean, it was. Well, that's probably why I've done it. Yeah. Cash. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, a big, that, was a, that was a big learning curve for us about day. But he did. He took us back in there. So I, was, I stood there for like 25 minutes and we tits out in the street. But I've never done it again. It makes me wish I was driving at the past, at the time when I drove past. You could have had a look at me tits, man. I would have got out and had a fucking squeeze. But you got would have tipped one tear off. I wouldn't have booed you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have booed you. She had us on. And I would have let you do it now. I'll tell him just to make it, just to make it at this point, you know what I mean? Shag him now. He'd have had another baby. Uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd have said, I want, but my dad will. <laughs> I, my dad's just going to take him to the shop. <laughs> so, on that, oh, oh, Iron Apple. So, the reason I went Iron Apple is I fell out with my dad, I pissed him off. And he said to us, look, if I piss him off again, he's going to cut all ties. So I did. I pissed him off again immediately. So he was like, come down to the, come down to the race course. His friends were Alan Shearer and my dad, you see, they're like best of pals now. So I went down to the race course and he went, bring your house keys, because I lived in his house, like a flat. Bring your car keys, because I, I drove a car that he bought us. Bring your work fob and another key, I think it was for the security gate on the way he worked. So I took them all down. He went, yeah, there's your last wages. Gives me last wage. 
from the business, from the, from the recruitment company. There's your last wage, took the keys, give them all the keys back. You went, right, go on, fuck off. And then never spoke was ever again. 11, that was 12 years ago now. And you've not spoke since? Never again. Fucking hell. I was, obviously you can imagine, you think you're gonna speak to your dad again. Like I was taking out a few weeks later, six months later, a year. And then I was like, fucking hell. Oh, there's being stubborn and then there's- All oh, there's stubbornness and uh, So it is, I mean, like it's- you be Was there anything else you've done? No, honestly- For him so, to like cut you off like that? So I'd get in trouble. The only reason, like I say, I'd get in trouble in town. And if I, cause when I, like I say, I didn't drink till I was about 16 year old. And then when I started drinking, the only drink I liked the taste of was vodka. I couldn't drink cider and I made it sick. So I would drink vodka and boost. And I'll get like, before I would go out to save money, I would get a half, a 35 CL or a, th you know, the bottles of vodka and nagging. Yeah, yeah. And I'd pour that into a bottle of boost. So I'd pour half the boost out, pour the nagging in. Because me fucking, me let me drink levels obviously were pathetic because I didn't ever drink the whole life. Once, I, once I'd finished that bottle, mate, I was a, the devil. I was a monster. So when I'd go out and get into trouble in town, if a doorman would start getting the best of us or whatever, or if I was getting ganged up on, I'd be like, my dad's, whoever he, I'd say my dad's name in there, they'd all back off. And I used to think it was great because I was a young kid thinking, ah, my dad's this person and stuff. Not realizing that every time I did use my dad's name, they would ring my dad up and tell him. And then my dad would be like, fucking stop using my name when you go to the town and that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But we had six, 17 year old, just found drink. So I burnt a lot of bridges by saying his name in places where I shouldn't have said. Going to nightclub doors and saying, let me in for fucking free and that and I'm Rob's son, you know what I mean? Which was my own fault. But I had to go through them years. I had to go through them years. And Maybe he's still teaching you a lesson now. It's a long lesson. It's a fucking hell of a lesson. I'm fucking looking forward to break time, mind. Yeah. <laughs> In this fucking 28 years, this fucking shit going on. So uh, over, over a decade of silence. A decade, mate. My sister's, it's hard because my sister's still friends with him and stuff like, and I haven't got a bad way to say it. My dad is what I would aspire to be like. I would love if I was half the man he is, you know what I mean? But I burnt a lot of bridges. Uh, just, I just haven't had the chance to speak to him about the, the bridges that I burned because they're not, they were never burned maliciously. Don't be accidentally because of me stupid, me stupid brain. Well, at 33, you're a long time dead, so who knows? Yes. And the fact that you're forgiving, because yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you could quite easily think, well, you know what, you've proved your point, fuck you. Yeah. But the fact that you're like, you know what? I I'll, was, mate. I was in the wrong, yeah. you can't be wrong and strong. Yes. When you open the door again, I'm ready to walk back through it. Yes. So there's, it is. there's something there. When he did cut the ties, you see, because then after that, what I should have done was, he told me sister, he said, all he had to do was apologize for the way he was going on, don't have house parties, he was gonna get us a new car, get us a new job, and he wouldn't let it go. But obviously me being a fucking idiot, went in a panic mode, I just went, right, fuck it. I seen two of my friends were working in nine up, and mate, 17 year old, you see Kevin and Perry go large and all that shit, working abroad, mate. Mm. Drugs, girls, and drinking, all that shit. That's all I could think, I was 17. So I, around my pal, I was like, I wanna come and work abroad. They were like, mate, it's so good. Now one of my friends who was there, Louis, he's a fucking handsome half cast, looks like Chris Brown, all the girls fancy him. I was a, very much still a chubby baldy, receding baldy, not a, not a very, I wasn't a typical go to town, ripped to bits kid who fucking likes to hover around girls with cocktails and stuff. I used to just fucking get loads of drugs in us and get loads of drink and get into fights and stuff. Yeah. But my friend who was an iron back, he was built for that shit, mate. Look sexy. All the girls coming over to him, getting people at the clubs. I was never at, like at that. At the time, he was Instagrammable. Yes. You weren't. I wasn't fucking mate. I wasn't even invited to family photos. I was minging, man. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't fit in with him, mate. But I just seen that his life looked great and I just assumed mine would be similar. So yeah. I picked, packed up and fucking flew over to Inaba. And when I got there, I really soon realized that 
It wasn't for me. And so was your intention, I'm going to go there and be a holiday rep? Yeah, that was what it was. So I said, how would you make your money? He said, mate, we're working a great club. You just stand in the street sometimes. You'll st like stand on the beach, pass tickets out, said doddle. Because again, I can see you be about... So all the, yeah. thing, all the things that you've done... Yes. Up to now, yeah. I can see in my head that you would be fucking excellent yeah. at that. Oh, I think if the only thing I didn't have, had the charm, had the crack, had the bant, was I wasn't a similar, I wasn't a stereotypical looking, like a kid, I've, had my dad, I've got my dad's frame, I've got a barrel chest, a baldy head, fat ass. My dad hasn't got a fat ass, like. I've got a big fat ass. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So I didn't yeah. have this, the clothes, that the trendy clothes that, that changed over the years, I never seemed to fit them. Yeah, same. I looked shit. <laughs> yeah. you know there was I mean? no skin tight chinos nah. for me. No, nah, I couldn't wear them all. So <laughs> I just didn't look like a typical cool club rep with the kid. We're sort of shaped a bit like a woman. Similar. Aye, it's very eye like a woman. Yeah, you know a bit I mean? shaped like a woman. Aye. Yeah, like the uh, clitoris and that. Hair shape, yeah. <laughs> it's the streamlined, the, hair, the hairy pussy. I've got the flaps and that. I was, I was yeah. more shapely. That's all. When I got there, I did try to hang out as long as I could because I remember my dad was not, and everyone, my mum was saying, you'll be straight back. And I was like, I fucking won't. I'm going to be there for the whole season. I only managed like six weeks or something. But when I was there, I got into trouble like all the time because I was arguing with all the kids because when I was sitting with these cool club reps and that, they'll tell them giving little bits of grief to us and stuff because I didn't fit in. And it sent us fucking west, mate. I ended up losing all my money and I got a job at this, the shittest bar in the whole of Ainaba. It was the furthest away from everything. And there was a man called Mr. Fish. He was a Cypriote, this little fucking wanker, right? And when I first went up, he was like, hey, are you looking for a job? I was like, yes. And he went, do 50 press-ups then. And he was like with two girls and I was like, 50 press-ups, why? And I was like, oh, I'll just do it part of the joke. So I got down, done the press-ups and he was like, okay, okay, you can have a job. And I had a little bit of laugh and carry on. And on the way back to the hotel, I was like, was he doing that to take the piss out of me? Oh, their lass is there. Or was he just doing it as a joke? So later on, I went back to this club. This is when I realized I was going to have to leave. And um, I was working in this back alley and he shone a laser pen in my face from a mile, from like miles away. And he came over, he's like, what are you doing? Talking to people for too, you're talking to people for too long. And I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing. You know, well, fucking no one's coming in the bar. And I was like, aye, because your fucking bar's shit. It's at the end of a fucking, it's at right at the end of a back alley. And he pushed it, so I just fucking knocked him out right straight away. I bang, and I realised Mr. Fish just happens to be very connected in Nyanaba, so I went back to my hotel. Wasn't that Mr. Fish? Mr. Fish, aye. Mr. Fish, and I'd fucking spark him clean. He's only a little fucking Cypriot thing, so I'd spark him clean out immediately. And then uh, I ran for my life, mate. And he, was, he was little, but his phone book was big. Oh, he's fuck, he was Mr. Fish, but his phone book was Mr. Fucking... Shark. Mr. Fucking Killer Whale, aye. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, had, I just took off. I couldn't take it anymore, mate. I, was, I didn't blend it. Me, me, me good-looking pal was spending these days around fucking luxury villas and stuff because he was getting invited to the, the elite parties where I was fucking having to ask people for a lender two euros and that so I could get myself some fucking ham to make a sandwich to survive. Being young is cruel. It is. It's cruel in the sense that if you don't... Because it's all about, you know... Youngsters aren't stimulated uh, psychologically or mentally nah. when they're older. Conversation does fuck all for a youngster. Yeah. It's all about aesthetics, aesthetic, how you look. Yeah, are you? Because I remember kids at school that were the coolest kids. Yes, because they look great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bit older when personality is important. Mm -hmm. Absolute fucking hand pumpers. Oh, like, holy. God, you're boring. Yeah, it's a good job you're good looking. Yeah, but you'll be fucked. I miss exactly. Yeah, which is where you. Of absolutely coming to your own. Yes, uh, I had to adjust big time. That was a big. It was a big eye opener. I felt. I felt worthless when I got there because I was like, I, I'd built up such a good reputation of being the party king in where I was from. Because at seventeen, it's very rare seventeen year old has their own place to live. Never mind the one that your rich dad's kitted out. Like I had a fucking 
80 inch telly, I had a 50 inch fire that I pressed a button and it would go and fucking, it would light up and stuff. It was like a luxury apartment, you know? So to have that a 17 year old was like, mate, it was like a fucking, a dream come true. I had a car, a, a bachelor pad, I'd have the biggest, maddest parties. I was the most popular kid by a fucking mile because I was having the parties. I was the host. When I got to Iron Abba, that suddenly, re that, that was gone. There was no one knew who I was. You I lost was no longer anything. Lost your status. I'd lost my status. I didn't mm. look like these guys. I wasn't known to be tough by these things. Like my circle of friends, I was known to be quite tough because I would go and have, would get into trouble all the time. Now in the, this, this new place I'm at, doesn't matter if you're tough. You fucking doesn't mean anything over there. You're probably a wanker if you're tough over there. Yeah. I wasn't fucking, I wasn't skinny like the other ones. Didn't fucking, I didn't, I couldn't wear the iron up vests and stuff. Cause was you, did you, did you still identify as a goth? No, no. So you dropped that by then? Oh, I, dropped, I was only got for, for about seven months. Me first year, secondary school, I dropped the goth thing as fast as I could with. Yeah. I needed to do like... I won't mention that again. Oh, I know. That's done. It's a dark days. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the eyeliner. Aye. Just like the dark, just like the eyeliner. I mean, it's, I was, oh, I was bullied to the... Ma In fact, you know what it is? For the people that bullied us when I was a goth, I don't fucking blame you. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> I deserved it. <laughs> It wasn't because if it wasn't because I am, I wouldn't have got sculpted to the person I did. Bought it on myself. Yes, I did fucking deserve it. Yeah. So you come back from my napper and then what come back from my napper, right? So I didn't want to come back, uh, but by the end of it, I stretched it out as long as I could. I, I was probably about four weeks after the first three weeks. I wanted to come home, but I knew everyone as I dropped my whole world, mate. I dropped my house, my car. I didn't have anything left. And I knew my family would have been like, "You fucking t I told you, I told you, you would have fucking, you would have came back." Um, so I hung out for another three weeks and then I got, I whacked Mr. Fish um, and we got into, a, I, I, I had no money left. I had not one penny. So I had to ring my mum to bail us out. My mum had to get a lender some money off a friend because my dad didn't speak to us anymore. And she managed to get me flight money back home. So I moved back home and started sofa surfing for a few years, living on pal settees and all that, like for like. So, so yeah, from, so when you come up, when you come back from my nap, you was yeah. what, 18, 19? Yeah, I think I was about eight hours, about eight. 19 year old when I came back from my now, I think I was. I mean, 20. Something like the early 20s. So we're now, we're now, we're now in your 20s. Yes. And, you, and you're now sofa hopping. I'm sofa hopping, I. Still on the drugs? Yeah. Still on the drink? When this is when, this is probably, this, I was living at me, me friends, me friends, mom let us live in their spare room for about six months. But uh, I think I took advantage of it really because I was like, it was, it was a lovely family household. Like my family went, growing up were never really a family, family, you know, like a, I sit around the table on Sunday, yeah. but I didn't have that, so I fell in love with it. Crave it. I loved it, mate. My friend's mom was lovely. If you are ever sad, the dad would sit you down and give you a motivational speech that would make you feel lush afterwards, and his mom would always make lovely dinners, and they felt like me mom and dad. Do you know what? What you just said there, it just, it resonates with me so, so heavily that there's no shortage of motivational speakers on the internet nowadays, but... How many of them actually mean it? Yeah. And how many of them have actually lived it? Yeah. And how many are just reciting, regurgitating bullshit that they've heard yeah. somebody else say? Of course. When you get somebody that, that means it, this is sort of my journey yeah, now. Yeah. This is what these are all about. Yeah. When you've got the ability to actually share some useful information and share a mistake that you've made and pass that baton on to somebody so they don't make it and all they do is put it to good use. Yeah. Not only is it powerful for the person delivering that motivational speech, if they mean it, yeah. but the recipient. Mm -hmm. So you've said how much it meant to you oh, and how important it was to you to have someone that cares yeah. say, Robin, I see you down. Yeah. This is how we can build you back up. Mm -hmm. 
And it's great that you say that. It just uh, oh, it's lovely, mate. They yeah, didn't have nice. to. It's very rare that a friend that a friend would would their parents would say you can come and live with us. It was no question asked. When I came back to the scene, I was all over the place. Didn't know what I was going to do. I was having to move back with my sister. I didn't want to live there. And then they put us up. But I say that they would feed mortars for for six months. It lasted. But by the end of it, mate, I was getting a bit. I was too settled in, too comfy. I was too comfy. My friend still lived there. He just got a girlfriend. He was wanting to bring her back and steam her in his bed. Obviously, he's big. You're in there with Max Power. Oh, and then Max Power wanking. <laughs> and then uh, got away. Just ain't gonna work, right? Uh, so I didn't. I, I should have volunteered to leave. By this stage, how many pages like were available oh, to turn yes. over? By what? By the end of it, it looked like the Max Power book was like a million pages because it stuck together that much. You know what I mean? So now the internet was out. I didn't have to mind other Max Power magazines that would go on maxpower.com. Yeah, happy days. You know what I mean? But I was obviously on their Wi-Fi, so it was getting a better control. So we pal got a girlfriend, and he was like, "Look, like I really love you, and I'm mate, but." Like I've got a last man now, and I was like, "Look, you don't have to explain. I've I've probably it. stayed here five months too long. It's been a good ride. Like, do you know anyone else that wants us to live at their house?" <laughs> yeah. So that was where I knew I had to get out. So I went, I went and got myself uh, my first little flat because I was working. Like, I went from yes. Yeah, so what were you doing for money? So I came back from my Uh When I came back from my Inapa, I knew I needed a job. I couldn't go back and beg to me dad because the burnt, I burnt that bridge and then fucking pissed on the bridge and fucking shit on it and everything else. You put gasoline on it. Oh, on gasoline, bitch. Yeah. Jumped in it, set on fire, mm. threw someone Ben and it, it was bad. So I knew I couldn't go back there. It so an, I, It was an inferno. Oh, mate. <laughs> all hell was... Uh, I'd caused all It looked hell. like hell. Yeah, it was. I was living in hell. But I'd been rescued by Mother Teresa and uh, it was all lovely, mate. And then they basically sat us down one day and said, look, we've loved basically helping you heal. Well, you need to get a job now. And I was like, okay, like, fair enough. The fucking exposed us. I've had free, free rent for six months, steak dinners. Now I do, I need to stand on my own feet. So I went to a job agency. I'd worked in one previously. I knew a bit, a bit about them. I went to a job agency and I went in. I said, look, I'll do anything. I just need to pay me, me friend's mom some money because she's looked after her for so long. Like, I'll do anything. I was hoping for a production operative job or a packer job. I wasn't hoping. That was the only one I was going to get off at. I hope you're more reliable than the packers we deal with. Oh, mate. I was much worse than that. Guarantee I'll be there. <laughs> Two days out of five. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I love it. I'm a packer. I do packing as a hobby. Like, that's the kind of shit I filled them with. Yeah. When I got there, they said- Love packing. Oh, packing. My, packing's my favourite. I am. Um, <laughs> like, packer is what- I've got packer tattooed on my arm, actually. Do you want to watch me pack now? I actually pass it on me. I'll pack it in. <laughs> I'll pack it in, shall I? <laughs> So the fucking, I went in in a Packers watching this are gonna fucking hate oh, us. Packers, <laughs> the, I, I used to give Packers jobs. I was once the Packer master, so yeah, I used to be able to give people packing jobs. But when they realised I wasn't fucking clever enough to be a Packer, they were like, "How are you interviewing me? You didn't, you haven't got a fucking clue how to spell your own name." You know what I mean? So I got it. I went there and they said, "Look, there's no production jobs or packing jobs for the next few weeks, but there is a job across the road at the call center. It's Sky." And I was like, uh, "Fuck it, if it's starting today, I'll start." So I went across to this call center and the water walked in and they were like, this is the job here. And I was like, yeah, this is fucking sweet. Aircon building. I'm interested in Sky Telly. I watch Sky Telly. Uh, we're in, a, in a typical call center, it's normally gas and electric and stuff like that where you hate. And it's normally outbound calls. So if you work in a gas and electric outbound call center, mate, you, your schedules ring a thousand people a day, try and get one lead. You hung up on every single call, but Sky's inbound sales. So they ring you. And you can just, they'll ask for telly. So it's fucking, you're getting the sale given you, you know what I mean? So they ring up, what do you like to watch on telly? Have you got kids? Oh, but you're going to want the Disney Channel. Oh, you like the Disney Channel, what's your favorite Disney Channel program? Just all that shit. So I went in, done a trial, 
it ended up working there for four years. Uh, but this was peak, peak drug time. Like fucking the, the MCAT days were rife at this point. I was going to say, again, this is something else that you're now doing that I can see you being yeah. exceptional at. Oh, I, and there seems to be a common denominating theme that yes. keeps fucking your chance of excelling. Mm -hmm. The drugs. Well, I couldn't afford them back when I first used to try the MCAT and stuff at 17. It was so cheap. That was probably why we got on it because we could afford it. Then when I got my job in the call center and whatnot, you would get like, it was like £1,400 a month plus your, your bonuses, which were very easy to achieve in a call center because all you had to do was add HD onto someone's package and you get 250 If you got someone to take the movies, you get 150 So if you'd done a really well month, you could go, you'd come up with an extra two grand. So I was making quite a bit of money like for me back then. And I had a flat mate living in my flat with his, so I, I didn't I had half the bills. So at this stage, you've now got a flat of your own yeah, and no. you're renting out a room, so you're getting yeah, some yeah. of your rent paid as well. Yeah, but they worked with us at Sky, you see. So the downfall, they worked in the same nah, So you lived and worked with them. Yeah, I lived and worked with them, which was fine. But what it was fine until I was like, look at I'd back from iron out right here. I was the king of the parties once upon a time. I've had a bit of time off. I'm ready to be the king of the parties again in a pot in a in a gaff that my dad doesn't own. So it was my own. Party. And now you've got a nice few quid. I've got a nice few quid. I've got a new gaff. Lost weight. Lost weight. My dad couldn't come in my house because it wasn't his. I've been fucking sashed away, mate. I was ready to rock again. Much bigger place. Max Power's in the bin now. Max Power's in the bin. The new you. The new you. Yeah, mate. I was like, I was the biggest scumbag in the fucking call center by far, mate. Call center people tend to be university graduates who've got a little part-time job. They're all like well-spoken people, they go to college, university. I was a fucking stone cold charber, right? So when I, when I went in there and I had a sales background, I thought this is quite, this is quite a doddle. Then the drugs started taking over me and I mean, whoa, I was on it. In, I was taking coke and sniffing coke on my desk sometimes, right? Mm. It was getting out of control. And then I, I started calling in sick quite well, a bit. completely out of control. Oh, out of control. <laughs> like, Two seconds, I'll, be, I'll put you on hold there. And I was back on and my boss would be like sitting across this, like looking at her stuff my nose and that. He was like, I'm fucking telling you if you're if you're doing what I think you're doing, you have not why I'm not. And then one day they had a Did you say to him, What the fuck did you think I was doing? Uh, I just smelling the desk. <laughs> yeah. Spilled some gravy. I was just <laughs> sniffing it up. So I, it got out of control me boss. So I'll tell you a funny story about when I was working at the call center. So I ended up having in total, I had 12 final warnings, right? Which is unheard of. Well, because you are obviously an exceptional seller. Mm -hmm. The stats don't lie. Yeah. So if you're a good seller, you get away with blue murder. That's why you. That's why you had most people. Their final warning is an opportunity to yeah. get rid of them the next time. Yes, they wanted to scare you. Yeah. Please don't go. But can you I not like... sniff coke off the fucking table? Yeah. This is your twelfth warning. So one day I'm sitting on the call center, right, and I receive a phone call. So the call comes through. Just the sales team. I was like, "Hello, are you from the sky?" And he goes, "Hello there. Uh, am I from to the breaking news department?" And I was like, the breaking news department? I was like, no, you're through, with, you're through with the sales department. He goes, oh, well, can I, could you put me through with them? I said, I'm not quite sure how to do this transaction. So I'm just going to put you on hold. I put him on hold. I've got my manager. I've got someone on the phone who wants to report a breaking news story. He's like, well, we're the sales team. He goes, but find out what it is. So I was like, okay, okay. So I was like, back on the phone. So I went, hello there. I went, unfortunately, you came through with the sales department, but I will find them. Could you just tell us obviously what exactly uh, the story is? And I'm looking at my boss like this, everyone in the, there's 500 people on the call on the floor, right? My team are all looking. And the guy goes, yeah, I don't want to tell him my name, but I'm a surgeon who works at blah, blah, blah um, infirmary where Prince Philip has just been brought in, right? And I was like, go on. And I'm going to tell you this, but I obviously want to report this, but I don't want to put my name down. Prince Philip is going to die tonight, right? So I was like, okay, two seconds, I'll put you on hold. 
So I put him on hold, I go to my boss, come over here for a second, Daniel. And the boss comes over and goes, he's just told me he's a surgeon at the hospital where Prince Philip has just been brought in now and he's going to die tonight. And he would like to make it a breaking story. And he was like, <laughs> so, right? So I'm going, I'm looking around now. He goes, he's in panic mode because he went, stay there. You went, stay there. Don't go back on that phone. So he goes and gets the other two higher up managers. Now they're all standing around the desk. They're all looking at each other. They're looking at me, right? And they're going, and he goes, listen, Robin, you can't be talking about this outside of your mind. I was like, on my ma's life, man. I will not. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. No. It's just, it's hell casual. Yeah. You've relayed that message. Oh, nah. That's I was like, funny. I, so I'm looking at, when, I do, when, I'm, when <laughs> I'm doing something menacing, right? When I'm doing menacing, my eyes wander and I, I look at people to let them know I'm doing this, right? So I was like, ah. So he was like, don't. He was like, don't, Robin. He was like, well, what else can we do other than tell him not to do it? You know what I mean? So I was like, I won't, man. I won't. And they're all going, one of them was like this, and his hands like, oh my God. <laughs> so he goes, look at Robin, there's actually a news department. It's basically in the basement of the Sky Building. I had no idea, right? So I was like, really? So the AI, so I unplugged my hand, my headset, my headset's still on, unplugged the wire, and off I go down to the news department downstairs, basement. I get to the basement. I was like, where the fuck is it? There's a little tiny door, right? I thought this was a cupboard. For the first four years of work, yeah, I thought it was a cupboard. I knock on the cupboard door, Fucking Ron Burgundy himself opens the door, right? Literally like a fucking news anchor, right? Robert, <laughs> <laughs> Ron Burgundy comes out, right? So I was like, what the fuck? So I'm looking past him like this, like, well, yeah, I thought this was a cupboard. Hmm. None of them are laughing, right? They're all proper serious. He's like, yeah, what do you want? And I was like, so I've got a breaking news story. Someone's on the phone upstairs on me on me sales call. He was like, okay, what is it? I went, it's it. Uh, Prince Philip is going to die tonight. And he was like, what? I went, yeah, yeah, Prince Philip's gonna die tonight. I've got the phone call upstairs. Are you interested? He was like, nice to meet you. His name was Hugh. Nice to meet you. My name's Hugh, head of director of Blah Blah Blah, Sky Media Team. Let us come with you now. So all the people, all the Ron Burgundies, all the fucking actor men, right? They're all <laughs> they were jealous that they didn't get, they didn't ask us first, right? So Hugh whisks us off my feet, takes us in the lift, sucks us off. No, he didn't really suck us off. Took us in the lift, Squeeze right? Squeeze your tits. Squeeze me tits. <laughs> tell us more, tell us more. So, he takes his hair. I take him to my desk, right? And obviously now, when I get to my desk now, I've come from downstairs. Now all the managers are there. There's about 10 of them here, right? And I'm looking at them all like, as if there was devil horns. So I'm looking at them like saying, they're going, don't you fucking dare talk about this. I'll say, I want, I want one. So I sit down, I, shoot, I take Hugh to my desk. I plug my headset back in, put it on his headphone. He's like, is it on? I was like, it will be any minute now. So I press it, go. And he, he starts talking. He's like, hi, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh. And I'm listening in, right? All the managers are all fucking biting their nails and that, right? I'm like this big smile waiting for him to finish on the phone. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely sure about this. He's like, this, you went, if this comes off, Robin, you'll get a mention for this. This is big, big things, but I'm going to need you to not talk about this to anybody. I was like, on my ma's life, again, I will not talk about this. And I was like, looking to me, pal, sitting next to us, I was like, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this, right? So anyway, again, the, the, the call comes to an end, he takes me number and that down, he goes back down his floor. I get called into this office with a fucking full questioning room full of people, right? All of us taking turns each of how bad it would be if anything gets mentioned that. I was like, oh, what, man, fucking hell. So the office where I worked was across the road from St. James's Park, literally facing it, right? So it's chocker a match day. So it's break time. I've, I've been leveled out of the room now, right? I, I go on my break. So the second I leave the building, mate, I fucking sprinted to the bookies, right? And sprinted to the bookies, ran in the bookies, right? Bookies is chocker. Match day, there's fucking loads of people putting football bets on. 
I managed to get through the queue and get the front of the desk, right? She's like, can I help you? I went, yeah, yeah, I want to put a bet on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this woman was like, oh yeah, what's it about? I went, I want to bet five pound that Prince Philip dies tonight, right? The whole place goes uproar, laughing their tits off, right? And I'm going, <laughs> go on, laugh away. Jokes on me, yeah, jokes on me. Put the fiver on that. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> not quite sure. I'm going to have to ring the store manager first. So I'm like, no, put a fiver on, quick. So she goes and rings the store manager. She's like, one second. She's like, hello. She's speaking overly loud so everyone can hear, right? She's like, yeah, got a bit of a strange one. She keeps on looking over her shoulder, right? Looking back at me and I'm like, ah. She goes, bit of a strange one. Got a large here wants to put a bet on. Yeah, he wants to bet on Prince Philip to die tonight, right? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I thought that would be the case. So she's coming back around, she's like, unfortunately, you can't actually put bets on people to die, especially the royal family. You'll probably have the fucking SAS bursting through your doors if it was to come true. So I was like, fuck. So I walked out the room, right? Everyone's laughing the tits off. And when I came out the boogies, all my bosses were across the road, right? Now, working at Sky, they used to try and promote Sky Bet. Betting, sky betting, you know, like the fucking, the gambling fucking thing. Lockbet.com. Yeah. yeah. So they had their own betting thing and they would always try and promote it in the office. And I would always tell them, I'm not interested in gambling. I'm not. I don't understand it, right? So I'd always say, look at that. Don't fucking like gambling. When Cheltenham would come on, I don't get involved. If there's a match on, I don't ever go to the boogies. So why mind the boogies, <laughs> right? Mm. They were like, you never get involved in the gambling whenever we do it. So what are you doing in the boogies? He was like, you better not have been there and said what I think you said. I was like, I didn't fucking say fuck all, man. So then I left and I just walked away in a huff. That was me trying to get out of the... I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to slip up and say I've done something. Mm. I've just been in the bookies. I wouldn't have lost my job. So I was like, no, I haven't. I put it on them a bit. Maybe it's a bit aggressive so they would leave us alone. And then I went back to work and said, no, about it, right? Have your head down. And the next day, he didn't even fucking die. <laughs> I was like, the fucking useless bastard. The surgeons. You can't even trust the surgeons to give you a fucking to see. So they diagnosed them as dead. And then the next day, he didn't die. So at the end of the day, I saved a fiver. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, then I was sacked from the call center. <laughs> uh, was you sacked? I was soon sacked after that. Like. Oh, unbelievable. Which, it, well, it was so worth getting sacked. Oh, I was a big one. Because that's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Yeah. And it was delivered beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, that is fucking funny. It could have been if it paid off and he did die, you know, got loads of money by it and ended up wealthy. What a way. That's what I was sorry about. You yeah. you did you deserve to earn a nice few quid out of it. I did like I'm surprised you only went for a fiver. I know, well that's all I had. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had a whip round. Oh I everybody Keep this to yourself. <laughs> Look at that fucking word. I need all your money. <laughs> so I was a fucking it was a bit of a disaster. But then again, I went straight back home and this is where it went a bit twisted. So obviously because I got sacked. Couldn't afford to pay me rent anymore, but I couldn't obviously leave where I was living because I had nowhere else to go. So now I'm in a bit of a battle with my landlord who was like, look, he was a dentist, lovely man. His wife was lovely as well. And he was like, look, Robin, I'm going to have to get, you're going to have to leave. You haven't paid rent like for two months. And me mom's, I'd, me dad, if I'd spoke to my dad, he would have fucking been, he would have given us some proper, a man telling off and sold me life out. But my mom, being a proper council of state, man was like, listen, you've got like seven months before you could even get you out of there. So just don't go anywhere. And I was like, yeah. oh, he lives in me street, man. The landlord lives there. Imagine not paying rent for seven months, which is a horrible move to do. But in a desperate situation, mate, I was willing to do it. I thought, yeah, fuck him. I'm going to have the biggest party in my life. And I'm just going to stay out for six See months. how he likes that. I fuck him. <laughs> daft dentist. So I thought, <laughs> I'm just going to get on it for six months. So anyway, the most strangest things happened, right? I'm middle of middle of party and my landlord's tried us like five times that day. To try and how and old are you at this stage? 23, I'd say. 
right. three, useless as well. Amy peak useless, yeah, by the way. Yeah. Most bad decisions were made around this time. You were just walking around with the flying thrower. Oh, mate. <laughs> Burning your whole brains out. <laughs> every gun you can think, I had them in every orifice. So I was fucked, mate. And then I was mid-party, right? I was, I was bang on the fucking... I'd been introduced to ketamine at this point, which was like the fucking devil, that shit, mate. Horrible. Oh, horrible. Yeah, I haven't touched any drugs for like a year now. I only go... I, I do them once a year, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, where... I'll, we'll go up to that. So... I'm in the K big K-hole, right? I was wriggling around me fucking me, me kitchen floor like a spider, right? Literally knocking things over and that. Everyone had left me house and the landlord decides to pop round while I'm in the K-hole, right? Ooh. Oh, mate. So I'd ignored his folk. I'd ignored his messages for like fucking like two months. And then due to me mum saying, they can't get rid of you for six months, man. Just fucking stay here for six months. He's obviously wanting the money for his flat. And he comes walking in. I'm literally doing the spider on the floor, right? knocking drinks over, these carpets are ruined, there's fucking smashed windows and all that, it was just a fucking arsehole, mate, it was a lovely flat as well, was, before I got there, and then uh, he was like, Robin, what is going on? Like, I'm gonna ring an ambulance, I was like, scurrying on the floor, like, don't, I'm all right, don't. <laughs> he was like, well, where's my rent money? And I was like, trying to kick him out of the flat with me foot, like, get out, get out, he's like, no, it's my place, like, get out. A week later, I get a phone call off someone saying, you do realize that the dentist, the landlord, the randomest person, the landlord, I found him on a fucking, on a, on a, on a to rent fucking advert, right? The landlord turns out, it turns out that the dentist, the posh dentist and his posh wife, well, the posh wife, her dad is, is a mega villain, same stature as my dad. So he finds out that my name's on the lease and rings me dad. Oh, and then it finds out that my dad's like, listen, the man whose house you live in is a serious bastard. I'm not coming to do anything about it, but I've given permission to come and get you out of your house himself. He knows you haven't got the money to pay him the rent, so he's giving you the benefit of the doubt to so just pack your shit and fuck off. So I had to pack up that night. So when I'd stopped being a spider... Quick, when you come out of Kyle... When I came out of the K-hole, you can imagine I'm fucking bouncing off the walls and neighing like a horse and that, right? I had to ring me mom and tell her to come and fucking get me shit out of the house. Coming out of a K-hole, though, you are just relieved. Literally, you are, thank... Unless you've been in a K-hole, yes. you never understand the relief. Oh. When you're out and you think, I'm never, ever, ever, ever doing that again. Yes. And the same fuckers that do that next week, it's like, you're back in that K-hole. It is. Yeah, you didn't learn. You know what I mean? It was <laughs> yeah. the worst time you life for me. I couldn't help it. It was just like, nothing else seemed to hit us anymore. Only ketamine was like, the what was like, that was the, what I wanted to feel. I wanted it's to one feel. of the ultimate clockouts, oh, isn't it? Clocking the fucking vile. The worst, mate, just a fiat track. It knocks fucking horses out. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's horrible. And you tend to find people that have never done it, that would never consider doing it. Yes. They're out there, they're out there, not on the beer and the gear. Yeah. The, the coke runs out. The coke runs so out. So then someone goes, I've got some care. And because they go, yeah, I'll have a go on that. Ah, yeah. Now watch the vibe change. Yes. It does nothing like that. Now it turns like a heroin. You look like heroin addicts when you run, when you're all on me. I'd be the parties where we're all like, Paralyzed. Oh, minging horribly. Literally paralyzed, can't horrible. move, it's pet, it's just yeah. shit. So that's where I hit an all-time low, and that's, that's, believe it or not, is where the Facebook journey began. I can go to that. Inspired by ketamine. No, it was an accident. It was an accident. Uh, because your, because your, so this, your Facebook sketches. Yes. That I've seen and loved for over the years. Now, I've always known, it's a bit like... It's a bit like when Ray Winston plays a part. It's a bit like when Ray Winston plays Ray in Neil by Mouth. Yes. He plays it so well that you know he has to have lived a life similar to that. Understand it. Or he would never ever be able to, to do the, me that. the method acting the way he yes. does. So, exactly. when, so whenever I've seen your sketches, 
your your drug binging party yes. session comedy sketches. I've always known this geezer's been there. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably I, I was probably on there yeah. when you watch the video. You know what I mean? Yes, it is. So all the videos are based on my characters are based on actual people that I know and actual stories and actual things that happened to me. Like some people might watch one of my sketches of like the Chav girls and think that is so silly, where that is very much how most Chavs live the life. Kids getting took off you, all on drugs, thieves, all that shit. That's where that's what that's what that's what what me sketches relate to. Now's a good time because there'll be there'll be people watching this podcast yeah. that, that have, you know they, they don't subscribe to Facebook or they're not on Instagram, yeah. so they would never have seen, they'll be loving you as a character. Yeah, yeah. Because you're fucking great. Yeah. And they'll be thinking, where are these sketches? Where can I find yes. him? So now is a good time. Yeah. Where can people find you? Right. If you want to look into all the stuff I've ever done. You want to go, my name's Robin Armstrong. So on most social medias, I'm just, I just come up as Robin Armstrong. Um, but because I, when I got deleted, when I had a million followers and I was deleted, I had to change my name. I had to add more because Robin Armstrong is now blacklisted as a name from my email address. So I had to change my name to something that people would remember us by. What's that Baldy Jordy kid called? So I called myself Robin Armstrong, AKA the Baldy Jordy. So that name doesn't get blocked. So if you want to find us on social media, Robin Armstrong on Instagram, on um, Facebook, I'm Robin Armstrong, a.k.a. The Baldy Jordy, And TikTok, I'm Robin Armstrong, a.k.a. The Baldy Jordy. Perfect. Okay, that's where, that's where you, you shouldn't just consider finding Robin. Go find him. He'll put a smile on your face. Even on some of the darkest days, no matter what mood I'm in. Yes. If I've ever looked at something you're doing, I think, you crazy, beautiful bastard. Yes. Just watch you go. And yeah, they're, they're, they're great. So, okay. So, your social media social journey. Social media's are there. Social media journey, this is how it began. So this is the maddest, the maddest shit ever, right? So um, I've, I've come, my landlord wants us out. I've agreed I have to leave. One day before, um, before I was set to go to, sorry, the social media thing was happening while I was still working at Sky, sorry, just before I left. So one night I had a big party and my friends had left. And when they left, I was still off me fucking, I was off me nuts on drugs. So I just invested in a, an iPhone for the first time and I was amazed by it. Having ADHD growing up, my thing, what I loved was gadgets. Mate, I was obsessed. Ah, with flying sauces. That will explain, yeah. because all of your content, oh. I look, and, and the characters, and the yeah. graphics, and I think, how does he do that? Yeah, yeah mate. Well, how does Robin do that? You'd be amazed, if I was to sit and show you, well, if I was to sit now and show you how I do a video and animation, I found the easiest ways to do it, right? But no one else would find it easy. Like some, some videos I use 20 apps, you know what I mean? And when I do it, mate, I'm like, I'm like the rain man, my hands like this. Yeah, I can see that there's yeah. something spectacular going on there. Oh, yes, they're all very, very different to other people's. Oh, indeed, in, in the highest detail I possibly can. That's where it began. So it started off like, for instance, when, when mobile phones uh, got added music to them, then you had a Blackberry where you could do, you had the messenger. And the next thing was like, um, these toys would come out like flying saucers, like an MP3 players, all these, like I was amazed by them. But when an iPhone came out, my friend showed us that he had a wealthy parent, so he was one of the first to get them, and they were like two grand to buy. And he had a picture of his, his, his other friend, but the mouth was cut out, and it was a video of, see, so I had a picture of you on my phone. I cut your mouth out, but it was my mouth talking. So he showed us it, he's like, I seen this video. It was a friend, another friend, but it was my other pal speaking, it was his mouth, and I was like, how the fuck did you do that? Yeah. That was sent my ADHD. I was like, wow, mm. Man, I could do a million things with that, I could cut. Who has, who has head I want to put in that picture and make them speak. So I just basically got the app off him and went home and made everyone speak. 
put your picture of my mum on. Oh, I've got a dick. Oh, look at me. I've got a knob. I'd send it to my mum. You know what I mean? Oh, look at my cock. And then uh, the next thing I'd done was uh, I was playing through these different apps and I seen that. So this is where it all blew up. Do you know? Remember the first series of videos I'd done was a girl called Josie Cunningham. She got her boobs done on the on the NHS. It rings a bell. So she was the like she was class as Britain's most hated woman, right? She was as counter the state Trump, like I am drinking cider. Do you know she was she was she basically she she had no tits. She was flat chested. She played on the government to get her boob job. So they got her this shit boob job, right? The worst you've ever seen. Then all of a sudden, uh, 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 anxiety was gone and she decided she got off to go on Big Brother. She was pregnant. She was willing to abort a child to go on Big Brother. She turned in like a fucking pro. She was just a minging, horrible woman. She was getting loads of bad press in the, in the papers. So I was off me nut, right? And I took a dislike to her just being a fucking off me nut Raji. So I've got my phone out, had a big rant about what her tits looked like. And I was like, her tits look like fucking sacks of potatoes, ugly bastard. And she wanted 40 grand to go to get an abortion so she could go on Big Brother. And I basically, I wrote down a list of facts about her and I just vented on my phone, but I was off my nut. Eventually, I fell asleep. I posted the video the previous night. I now know exactly who you mean. Yes. And I remember exactly what you'd done. Yeah. And she was the first of several. Yes. That was that so, what it was. Yeah. Go for it. Yes. So I post the video of me insulting this fucking wench, right? Uh, and then the next day I woke up and I was fucking me I was all over the place and I was just walking to the metro station and when I was sitting on the metro I was just sitting there and I come down in my life and I seen this lass's flash went off on her phone right so I was like and I looked and I was like did you just take a picture of me there and she was like yeah I went why would you take a picture it was like I'm already on a skit so like what you, why did you take a picture I was like oh I seen your video and I was like I didn't know what she was going on about our thought is obviously mistaken for someone else. I put my head Vin Diesel. Back in. I did. You, I'm not Vin Diesel. <laughs> you know, Vin Diesel wouldn't get the metro. You fucking idiot, <laughs> right? So I got off the metro, and when I got off, I had another look back. And I was about to say, "You daft cunt!" You obviously, I look like someone who you who you're thinking about. You took a picture, so I didn't think anything of it. And by the time I got to the call center, as I was walking into the entrance, this man grabbed us and went, "Robin, Robin, can I get a picture with you?" And I was like. Have I got something on my back or something? Like, has someone done something on the sesh, wrote on my face? Have I got drawn on my face or something? He's like, no, I've seen your video. And I'm like, well, what, what are you talking about? And he was like, the Josie Cunningham video, he showed us it, and it was like, had a million views. And I was like, eh, he was like, look, it's got a million views. And now I, I hadn't, I'd, I'd done no videos. This was me, this was my first video, you know what I mean? So I was like, what does that mean? He's like, a million people have seen your video. That's how I recognize you. That's why I want the picture. And I was like, eh? And then I was, look, I put my head up and loads of people are like walking past like partners and stuff. And I was like, this is fucking mint. You know what I mean? I was like, what? Like, nice. <laughs> Do you want a picture on now? So I went into work, right? And I was in the elevator. I was in the, uh, I was in the elevator going up to the floor, right? So as I was in the elevator, I started to sink in. I was like, mm, yeah, what the fuck? Two strangers have just asked for a picture of me. So I couldn't fucking wait for the doors to open so I could go tell everybody. When the doors opened, everyone already knew. Everyone was like, yeah, fucking videos, man, I can't believe it. So I was like, yes. Like I thought I was getting pranked, you know what I mean? 25 people, someone's coming across going, yeah, mate. And then someone said, you're on the live Bible, you're on the live Bible. So my days went from 
people recognizing us to all of a sudden I'm on the lad Bible, which was a big deal back in the day. Lad Bible, uni, yeah, you lad, lad, all them shit. Them big ones, yeah. Yeah, but back in the day, the lad Bible now has been by it's been bought by a big corporation company and it's just fucking they just promote clickbait and shit. I remember if you made it onto the lad Bible, that was you'd made it. You were a lad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Proper. They only ever promoted cool videos. So if I say when you did something that was epic, it would get put on there. Yeah. So now it was at its peak time, Lad Bible was massive. So they posted me, me video on Lad Bible. Uh, and then in the space of a few hours, by the time I'd finished my shift, I had 100,000 followers. So by from the from the start of the day to the end of the day, I, I, I accumulated 100K followers. That's insane growth. Oh, mate. And, algorithm. And, yeah, the algorithm was insane oh, back then. Perfect. But it was more organic. It was it was more yeah. honest. It was. It was very honest. Yeah, whereas now it's not. It's, now they're, it's, fucking, they're, they're worried that people can become too powerful and they don't want that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But back then, they were like, it's social media. It's all free. You say what you want. So it fucking took off, mate. Now... And like I say, I'm a very, I'm a very needy, needy person when it comes to like my girlfriend. Like I'm a fucking proper soft chai, mate. I love it. When my mom left, I think I got a bit of a, uh, what's it called? When you, you need to be, I need to be around people. You know what I mean? I didn't like being by myself. Abandonment issues. Yeah, big time, big time. Like trust, like trust issues. I needed that. You know what I mean? You want to be loved, and you like being yeah, loved. Yeah, I like being loved, mate. And uh, you've got no shame saying it. Yeah, call cool, me big time. And I like, liked it. And that is why, if if there's you know someone's child that likes you, you gravitate to that child, yeah, and oh. if someone's pet loves you, yeah. you love that pet. Oh, super nice, mate. We all want to love and be loved. I love that. We all uh, want it. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because I didn't really have it, I, uh, all of a sudden, strangers were being nice to us in the street. So the first week was the hardest to get used to, right? Because it was like, after I'd left work, obviously I was the, I was the talk of the call center, which was fucking mint. Everyone was like, yeah, this is great. But then obviously I was like, so what do I do now? You just earned yourself a few more warnings, didn't you? Aye, oh, big, big time. Like, I'll get yeah. off them. Aye, I was like, I've got, I've got 100,000 followers. Who are you talking? You know what I mean? <laughs> made it. I was like, not long now till I quit my job. I just thought I was going to be rich, mate. So that week leading up, right, this is where it started. To, I didn't know what to do. No one could give us advice because no one knew what to do either. You know what I mean? I was like, ma, this is it. I'm fucking famous. 100,000 people. When there's more people in there than fit in St. James's Park, we would be sitting facing St. James's Park, right? And was it all was it all local people that were following you? Like, yeah, for starters. Well, not because it was it was until the Lad Bible shared is, because Lad Bible was everywhere. Yeah. So then it was like London and everywhere else. So I thought to myself, that video was so successful, I'm gonna try to do something else. So I just tried something totally random. I'd done like a dolman sketch and it done like all right, but it didn't give us the same. Ooh, as that, as that is, you know what I mean? It was like having your second crack pipe, mate. Your first yeah. one, you like, everyone's going to taste this dream. I've never done crack, by the way, ever. Right? He meant line of coke. Meant line of coke. But like, when, I, when you do it... Chasing the buzz. Yeah, the chase, it's never the same again. So, fit, my first video was super viral. My second one was shit. So I was like, well, I tell you what, I'm going to go back and I'm going to fucking grief that bitch again. So I made like 10, 10 different parts of Josie Cunningham getting griefed. So whenever she done something wrong and it was in the paper straight away... I would jump on it and fucking go, Ray, you, you bitch. So you're going to do this this week, she's this, she's that. And I would fucking annihilate her. And then each one would get bigger and bigger till one of them got like 30 million views. It was like... So for people, some, some people, yeah. could be, someone could be tuning into this sort yes. of halfway through and think, fucking hell, Robin's promoting like grilling a woman on the internet. Yeah, I was. She wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bitch, fucking roll then. <laughs> He's a bully. Ah, uh, no, but she she was a she was a bad person. She mate. was a bad, really bad, unpleasant human being. Well, very. Like I say, I would never. If she yeah. was a lovely person, you'll never find me. No, if no. Someone's reasonably nice. Then there's nothing wrong with them. Or even if there's someone that's doing something that's slightly offensive to some people, she was willing to kill her child to go on a big brother. She was spreading horrible rumors about her ex-partners. 
She was just a vulgar piece of shit, mate. She, would, she was willing to be to sweep the lowest. She was willing to be a prostitute. She then, when she decided she was, because Big Brother knocked her back, she then decided when she was having a baby to sell tickets to come and watch her give birth. You know what I mean? And every time she'd done something, the, the wilder the thing she'd done, the better my video was going to be. Yeah. So I was Is like, she, is she oh. still about? No, no. She Do you think she'll want to come on the podcast? Oh, maybe he's like, to kill me. <laughs> the, offer, nah. the offer's there. I will do as a couldn't. She might be able to, she died out after she was just like, she was, well, I got, by the end of it, I'd done like five, five videos and then I was contacted by Channel 4 who rang us up and said, listen, Channel 4 doing a documentary, you can search for this. It was called Josie, Britain's Most Hated Woman. The documentary was going to be a big budget thing. And Did they say, Robin, she was loved until you got your claws <laughs> into that? <laughs> Everyone loved seen, that. Why you killed her? You know what I mean? <laughs> So I was at the time, I'd obviously lost my house and I had to move in with my mum who lived in Berwick-upon-Tweed in a fucking, like, the, the, the only house I can compare to my mum's house is Father Ted's. She lives on the end of a mountain with nothing around it. So I was living there, sick in my fucking life, mate. I needed to be in an open place, but I had no choice because of the mistakes I'd made. I had nowhere else to go. I had to go back to my mum's. So I went downstairs, I can't see my You're not going to believe this. She goes, what? Because she didn't, when I was telling her, when I first told her about my social media shit and that, everyone was like, oh, look it, get a grip get a job in the cheese factory where all the rest of the family work. This is just, this isn't going to last. And I was like, no, 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 it's going to work. It's going to work. Then I went downstairs and said, Channel 4's coming tomorrow. And she was like, what? I went, Channel 4's coming here tomorrow. And she was like, aye, aye. I didn't, I obviously didn't explain well enough, but there were. And she was like, okay, yeah, go upstairs, you fucking psychopath. You know what I mean? What stories are you making? They are. So then later on, I came downstairs. I was like, no, ma'am, I'm being serious. Channel 4 coming here tomorrow. And she was like, what do you mean? I showed her the emails and stuff. She was like, oh, fucking hell. So my mother brought a clean freak anyway. She lives in a lovely cottage. And, and so she cleaned the whole cottage up, gets the saunies and stuff on for them arriving. And then they, they arrive and they come in, these two posh people. They came in and they got us to sign some forms first. Little did I know that the forms were to give 100% of rights to the videos. So I didn't belong to them anymore. Ah, uh, you get no editing rights. Scanders, so, bastards. Yeah, I've had seen, yeah, I know. You know what I mean? But I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you want this? I was just like, where's, where's the one for the money? Make me look as bad as you yeah. like. Aye. You know what I mean? Going to jail after this. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Aye. So <laughs> I filled in all these forms and I went on and I fucking blasted at me. They were like, come on. So first I tried to put this persona on, like, I wasn't going on like a Raji. I was going, yeah, well, you know, she's a really bad person. He was like, cut, cut. You went, showed us a video. You went, I want more of that. Yeah, more yeah. of that. So I was like, right, that fat, ugly cunt should be dead. <laughs> dead. And he was like, go on, go on, go on. I was like, aye, aye. He was, because he was behind the camera going, yeah. I was like, and she should be run over by a truck. Fat, funny, fat minge. And I was like, he was like, whoa. Stop. I was like, oh, too much, too much. <laughs> like, we'll get back in touch in a few months when it's going to be aired on Channel 4. So I didn't tell none of my pals, didn't tell nobody, right? But on the day it was aired, my friends would all come to mine, we'd all start smoking weed at this point. We'd stop coming off the coke and stuff like that. We'd all bang on the weed and we'd play FIFA and get fucking food and stuff. So I knew it was going to be on Channel 4, right? So I put it on. I was like, oh, do you know that last I've been doing the videos about over the past few months? There's a documentary about her the night, and my pals are like, oh, fuck her, man. I was like, no, we're watching it. They were like, no, mate, just put feet up. I was like, we're fucking watching the video, right? It was like, and I had an hour and a half long, though. So I didn't want to watch it either, but I knew I was going to be on it. So we're all sitting around the PlayStation, and uh, it goes through, and then it goes on to the next part. I was like, 23-year-old salesman Robin Armstrong has, a, uh, has something to say about Josie. Now, come on the screen, my, screen, my face right up the camera. 
That fat cunt can get put in a fucking cannon and she can get shot across the fucking tune with a baby in her hands. Me pals are like, what the fuck? I was like, yeah, come on. And then Wayne Rooney was retweeting it. All these celebrities are like, love this kid because all the way through the documentary, I was sitting there with a cat that didn't fit his across the bottom of me, Adrian, and me ma's fucking country cottage. Because they were like, God, I didn't expect you to live in a house like this. I was like, I didn't two weeks ago. And I was in what you did, what you would have expected to live in. So now they're seeing there's this cottage. They didn't think I was going to be the way I was. So when it got aired, mate, they just they put out all my bastard parts. It was looking like a proper horrible cunt. But I love that. When I watch it back now, I'm like, oh, but when I was watching my pals, I'm going, yes, you've done it. So I laughed. You up. horrible bastard. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, yes, mate. Look at that. I was like, die, die, die. And then hey, Wayne Rooney retweeted it. People from Towie were retweeting it and everyone got amongst it. And then she was, she was in a relationship with this big criminal, like a Meg Tyson tattoo. He tweeted his saying, um, if you're so game, like meet me. And I was like, I fucking come on then. We're having a big public argument. Everyone's getting involved. It was overwhelming me, out of control, mate. I fucking thought I was a superstar. I'm on Channel 4. I'm getting viral videos. But it still hadn't sunk in. That what a lot of people don't realise, mate, is social media. It, it's an illusion. Mm. It doesn't matter how many followers you've got, unless you're getting anything, unless you're doing it properly, monetizing it. People think I'm rich and famous, mate. I've got fucking minus 20 quid in my bank, you know what I mean? Unless you do it properly... It's a long, long game, and I, I just you've learned that over the years. Haven't oh, you? the hard so, way, yeah, the hard way. It took us, it took us to like three hundred thousand followers, and then from then on, it consumed us. I thought this is what I want to do forever, but it was like, how do I make money doing this? You know what I mean? Still doing drugs whilst doing it. Oh, still fucking keen the drugs, me. I was, I was on them all the time. Even more so. I even more so. Just constantly buzzing. Constantly, I bouncing from next person, getting invited to all these big parties and stuff like that, and then it was like, how do I make money? But then lots of people who, like in other industries, they started approaching us to do advertisements and stuff for like dessert shops and stuff. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll try a bit of this. So now I've got loads of followers. I was going into all the local kebab shops and stuff and saying, look, if you give me like 300 quid in a kebab, I'll show you a kebab to a million people. Like I had a million followers, me. I could have made thousands, but because we fucking counsel the state brain, I didn't understand how much power I had at the time. And let, also, unless somebody yeah, yeah. Sh shows you that, right, did, yeah. you, did you know that if you click this and sign up to that affiliate and do that, like, yeah. how do you... Yeah, unless you know someone that's done it, Yeah. How? because nobody wants to give away trade secrets either, no. and no one wants you doing better than them. Nobody. So they keep it all to themselves. Over the, over the space of a few years, mate, I met, I've met a lot of people who manipulate us into moving in with them who promises the world. So I got kidnapped by an SAS soldier. This is an interesting tale. I'll tell you about this actually happened, right? <laughs> so I was convinced by this. He was, a, he was a, he's, a, he's a TV presenter for a local TV station, this kid, right? Newcastle. Newcastle. It's called Made in Town and Weird. It's on Sky and Virgin, but it's like a shitty TV channel. It's got hardly any viewers. But everywhere, look, you probably have a Made in London or something. There's loads of, just a small TV network, right? So this kid who was seeing me videos got in touch with us and said, oh, I've, I'm doing a promo for a nightclub and they would like you to do some advertising for them. So I went and met up with them, ended up being quite a, a nice kid. And he said, oh, look, I'm looking for a flatmate if you want to come and stay at mine. I went and looked at his pad. It was like built into a cave that was amazing, right? I was like, this is fucking class. Uh, like all the, he had all the similar stuff that you've got here, cameras and stuff. And that was, I'd never seen that kind of, of equipment. And I was like, oh, we could work together great with my comedy and your skills. So I moved in with him. Within every two weeks of living there, I started to know he was quite annoying, right? And I was like, God, you're a fucking little knobhead, you like. And then the other flatmate we had moved out. 
Now, when she moved out, she came across to me and her final words were, you don't want to live here with him. And I was like, why? She's a fucking little arsehole. She only steals your food and stuff like that. She used to steal my socks and stuff like that. And I was like, well, he's not going to steal my socks. He's a little one. I'll tell him. You know <laughs> socks. I mean? yeah, like, even if he did, I wouldn't be that bothered. So anyway, I end up befriending him and this girl moves out. It's just me and him. So the neighbors from downstairs have an argument with me flatmates. I was like, are you going to fall out with anyone else? And they move out. So now it's just us there. This is downstairs. It's empty. A couple of weeks later, I pass and my landlord comes and knocks on the door and says, oh, we've got a new guy moving in next week. And I was like, oh, great. Who was it? He was like, oh, Michael Turner. And I was like, the Michael Turner, the fucking SDS soldier blow. He's like, yeah, yeah. Do you know him? I was like, yeah, I know who he is. Like, he's a fucked up mate. He's a fucking psychopath. So he was a really high up in the army, got promoted to special services and stuff. I'm guessing he's fucking lost his mind and now he works as private security. So you know when they go over to like fucking Iraq and they like work for the royal family and they just yeah, kill yeah. people and that, right? So that's what he got a job doing. So when I found out he was moving in, I was like, Ray, I was like, I don't think you should let, I was like, he's a bad man, you know, like really bad, done some fucking crazy things to people around here. And he's like, oh, he's fine, man. I get along with him because he's 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 surrounded by the by wealthy circles, but he's a maniac. Did I use him for his muscle? Yeah, well, no, he's just. I think they just be they're just friendly with him. Well, he's very dramatic. He, he talks like this. He abrupt fucking as he has, man. Right? <laughs> this is what I mean. How you would expect him to talk. So I'm going fuck. I can't believe he's moving in. Yeah. The flatmate I live with, he's a fucking posh thing from Yorkshire. He hasn't got a clue who this guy is. He's like, what's wrong? Is he bad? I'm like, bad. I've heard hot, really bad stories, right? And he was like, should I be worried? I was like, I think you should be worried, mate. He's a bad man. Anyway, he moves in. We, I haven't seen him yet. And then in what communal area, we had a metal staircase, right? I hear him coming up the stairs. Boom, boom, boom. I was looking there. I had seal in my mouth. I was like, all right. Stop eating my cereal. My flatmate was like, oh, this must be him. Yeah, bang, 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 the door. Open the door. He comes walking in, right? Six foot fucking five or whatever he is. He was like, nice to meet you. I'm Michael. I was like, all right, Michael. Nice to meet you, mate. Come in, lads. He pushed his way past, just walked straight in the house. I was like this. He goes, uh, anyway, lads, listen, I don't get my Wi-Fi sorted till next week. So can I have your Wi-Fi for a week? I was like, yeah, of course you can. Of course, yeah, no problem. So I gave him the Wi-Fi cord. And he was like, right downstairs now come and meet my wife and i was like all right i'll come meet your wife so i'm looking at dan going fuck let's take went to his lair here you know what i mean we'll never get out so walking his house and he's like right this is my wife and then he went ollie ollie this is the dog right i was like fucking hell what the fuck dog come in he's like good boy you're a good boy and i was like fuck me that was a bit extreme he goes anyway lads to say thank you for giving me the wife i've got you a couple of gifts he goes dan and he flatmate comes out with it it was a cup he'd got from an American basketball team or something when he was working abroad. So he gives him a cup and he goes in for you. Got something special for you, Robin. He's not a copy, by the way, to Geordie. I don't know why I'm talking like that. Because you're talking like that. <laughs> I think I've got something special for you, Robin. And I was like, okay. So he comes out with this black, it was like a suede jacket. I was like, this is a random thing to wear. It looked like a plain blazer, so to say. So I was like, oh, thanks very much anyway. See you later. Take care. Enjoy the Wi-Fi. So I go upstairs and I'm like, Dan was like, he seems like a really nice guy. I was like, no, something's not off. Something's not right. I know he's a madman. I go into my room. Anyway, I ring my ma and I'll start, as I'm on FaceTime, my mom, I start to inspect this black jacket. Something like this. I go in the pocket, mate, and there's a big fucking bloodied ISIS flag in the pocket, right? So this jacket was from an ISIS person that he'd murdered 
and took the jacket and brought it home as a souvenir. I've got it in my room now. And it was the peak where ASUS was like, you know, the fucking productions, the production uh, yeah, killings man. and stuff. Outright. It was then. So they were banging the news. So when I put it out like that, I was like, what the fuck? My mom was like, yeah, don't you, you, need, you need to get rid of that now. Get rid of it. Because if the police see, if, if you post a picture of, of an ASUS flag, police would have been through your door. Would have been a long-winded process. I would have had to have told them I got them off that cunt downstairs. He would have fucking killed us. So I was like, fuck, what do I do with it? So my mom was like, look, don't put it in the bin. Because if it goes to the bin, they have to come back to your house. Because I had it on, man. I was walking around the house going, this is a shit jacket. Why does he even give us this jacket? It's got me fucking, it's not Nike. It's got this. Oh, oh my God. I was like, oh, it's probably, I'd probably murdered people and stuff in it. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was horrified by it, right? But I didn't want to say anything wrong, so I carried on being nice. A week later, I, <laughs> that's probably a wise decision. I was like, mate, love the jacket, by the way. He's like, why haven't you got it on? And I was like, because I found the ISIS flag. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, ah, 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 laughing at us. So the following week, he comes up and knocks on the door and goes, listen, I'm going to work for a bit. He was going to Baron or, Baron or whatever it's called for work. He was like, look after my wife if she needs anything. Again, he's not a cockney. I'm doing your voice yeah. Look after my wife. All right, I was like, okay, we will, we will. So a week passes, he's been away doing his work. I've totally forgot he even lives there, right? Been dead peaceful. Come back from the gym, about eight o'clock at night, pulled up outside of a communal shared hallway. And when I got to the hallway, right, I'm just texting on my phone like that. And I looked to the left and his girlfriend was at the window, makeup all over her face, crying, right? Looking like this, I was like, I mean, what's, why is she crying for? And then she ran back in the house and I was like, that was weird. I looked at my bonnet, maybe he was on my bonnet, right? Like this, like a spider, right? He went, open the fucking door now. I was like, what the fuck? So I was like, eh, no, open the fucking door. It's a back alley where I lived in, so there was no one here. So I opened my door, in he gets, right? Gets in my car, he's like this, over the top of this. He went, eh, what one sees to talk about? Drive. I went, what? He went, drive the fucking car. Rent spitting all over his right? I was like, eh, stop me car. Now, where I lived, it was a, a back alley. Our, our house was sharp, and there was another back alley. So my car was parked sharp, so I had to come along and head down another dark alley. So I was like, I need to know what's going on if I drive any further. So I was driving down the alley, right? He was going, uh, uh, snarling and that. And he went, eh, I stopped the car and Michael, what's going on? He went, fucking who are you talking to? Who are you fucking talking to? I was like, eh, I don't know what to do. Is he having PTSD or something? Yeah. And he went, eh, comedian, are you? Comedian. I was like, ah, he went, well, fucking make us laugh. I was like, um, uh, he went, make us laugh. And he was like, make us fucking laugh. I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going on. I was shit me pants, right? I was thinking, mm. fuck. So he went, drive the car, keep on driving. He was looking around like that. So I started the car again, carried on driving. And when we got to the bottom junction, where there's actually cars driving past, a car passed us, and I looked. And because I looked at the car, he thought I was going to signal him, so he grabbed me face. He's like, not fucking forward now, right? And all like that. Oh, my God. I've got to press my indicator. I grabbed me wrist. Don't you fucking dare try and run. Don't you fucking dare try and run. I was like, oh, what the fuck? I'm going to die, right? So I'm sweating in the car. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> we went, drive to the Lady Park. The Lady Park is the woods, mate. I was like, no fucking way. No way am I going to the woods. You know what I mean? If you want sucked off, they'll date you. <laughs> right now. Right now or never. <laughs> right? So I was like, nah, I'm not driving the woods. So, you know, drive the fucking woods, are you not? So at this point, I thought, right, I'm going to try and play the fucking me trick card and I'm going to drop my dad's name in the mix. 
I was like, you do realize this is Rob Armstrong's car? He was like, oh, oh, daddy, is it? Daddy, I was like, shit, that didn't work. What am I gonna fucking do now? I was like, I've run out of options, yeah, I'm just gonna have to let him fucking kill us or shag us, one of the two. So I was like, look, I don't know what the problem is, yeah. Or both. Or both. Or one, of the, one first and the other, you know what I mean? So I was like, I went, look, now I'm starting it. You know when Zebedee gets confronted off fucking the big scary thing in Football Factory? Put your hand out, you cunt. Mm. Oh, you're just a kid. That's what I felt like. I was like, oh, come on, man, mate, just let us go. And he went, listen, Wiz, me, at, at, at me car at the time, right, it was, a, it was the shittest fiesta you've ever seen. I've never watched it in a good two years. When we're in the car, there was a layer of dust on, on me dashboard, right? It was a, that big, right? It, was, it could have been another airbag. It was that dirty. So he's whipped out some coke and went, did you do drugs to you? I was like, aye, aye, I do, aye, but not like on a Wednesday night, I've got work tomorrow. He's like, well, you're fucking doing it now. I was like, I'm not, I'm not. She's grabbed the hold back of your head. He's trying to push us to have a sniff line. I wouldn't do it. So he poured all of his coke on top of me dashboard, which was thick of dust. Then he fucking headbutts me dashboard, full bell, right? How he didn't fucking set the airbag off, I don't know. And he sniffed all the coke, but obviously... He's just sniffed it with five years worth of dust, right? So obviously I was like, oh, I want to stop him and go, don't, don't. <laughs> but I was like, oh, fuck you, you know what I mean? You're fucking kidnapping and you daft couldn't do it. So he's like, bang, bloody nose. His face is all fucking mad, shouting at us, right? I was like, please, let's go home, man, dear. And Michael, please. He was like, go home, and I fucking tell you to go home. He was just losing his mind. So I thought, fuck it, while he's fucking kicking off, I'm going to turn the car back around. I'm going to head back, back up the back alley. And I'm just going to get out and go, go back into my house. So I turned the car back around, but heading back up the dark back alley. Now he's grabbing the steering wheel, trying to make us crash into the walls on the way up the hill, right? I was ah, it's like, tell me fucking there. I was like, stop, stop. And then I got in my house, I ran in my house, right? He chased us in the building, got the top of the stairs, ran in, threw the door closed behind us. I was on the floor, and it's fucking hell. And me, me flatmates fucking walks in, he's like, what's going on? Obviously, I had to tell him, I've just been fucking kidnapped, I've the fucking psychopath downstairs. My landlord also lived next door to us, so I had to ring him. I was like, Ray, listen, I fucking told you you can't let that psychopath move. And I just kidnapped his. He was like, what do you mean? So I had to tell him the whole story again. Now, the well, this is where it gets even more awkward, right? After all this happened, I didn't want to leave the house, mate. I was fucking terrified to pass him again. I was like, yeah, he's a maniac. If he's willing to do that for nothing, I didn't want to pass him, right? So this is putting his back on the sesh. I was getting on drugs and stuff. I thought, I don't want to face the cunt. He's mad. We're getting a new flatmate moves in, this gay bloke, right? A gay doctor moved in with me. I had no choice of Not to replace the lunatic. Not to replace him. Just in a month. Spare room, yeah. Do you know what I said at the start of the story? The flatmate, the first flatmate left. Right. And so I had a spare room. So this gay doctor moves in, right? Um, Eamon, he was called. He was a sound bloke, ended up being a bit of a weird bastard. So when, on his second day of moving in, I got kidnapped on that day, right? So I've came back and told the flatmate what happened. He's bursting into tears. He was like, I can't live here. I'm a doctor, for God's sake. He was from Belfast. It's a good impression, I think. He was like, I'm a doctor, for God's sake. I can't do this. It was better than your Geordie impression. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it goes, I'm a doctor. He's a surgeon and stuff, really highly qualified. He was a gay bloke. Uh, he'd come from the sticks. He'd never been around a, a highly populated gay area. So being in the tune now, he's got a full gay scene to go to, right? So he's a doctor. He's been here two days. I've been kidnapped on day two. He was terrified. I thought he was going to leave because I had to tell the truth. I was, I was in bits of myself. When I came, he's like, what's going on? I was like, just being kidnapped. And I'm like, I didn't want to tell you because I know you'd be scared. Anyway, I thought it would have scared him. It turns out it turned him on. He liked the thought of this dirty, this scary man being downstairs, right? So a week later, we've convinced the doctor to get on drugs, right? For the first time. So the doctor gets on drugs with us. We're off or not. I go to my bedroom. I get a text from the psychopath downstairs 
saying, one more, I'm going to kill him. And I was like, one more what? What are you talking about? I was like, I'm not doing, I was like, mate, I'm honestly not doing anything. I'm, I'm your ruin, it's not me. He went, tell your flatmate, if he sends one more message, I'm going to kill him. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I went to the damn me flatmate. I was like, are you fucking messaging him downstairs? He was like, no. So I was like, surely not. So I goes up the sit room, the gay doctor's sitting there, mate, he was fucked out with his brain, right? <laughs> I went, what are you doing? He's like, I'm so sorry, Rob. I went, what are you doing? I went, he's just messaged us saying, if you do it again, he's gonna kill you. What have you done? He went, I went downstairs. I went, right, he went, and I pressed my dick against his window, right? Mate, on, me, on my <laughs> man's life, right? I swear on me man's, me niece's and nephew's uh, lives. This is what happened. <laughs> so we're in the, the, the we had a, sh a shared communal area. Downstairs, we both had big circle windows you could sit in. It was a big round window and you could sit in it. But his window, obviously, because he was in the ground floor, was right next to the floor. So we'd come in the communal area and you could see straight into his whole sit room. So this fucking gay bloke who we lived with got himself so turned on off the MDMA but you see, he never took drugs and stuff till he come down here. He's so turned on, he's now by himself. He took a risk, found out that the man's wife was away, dropped a message saying, how about I come and suck your cock, right? So he's messaged back saying, you've messaged the wrong person. He's like, oh, no, I haven't, <laughs> right? <laughs> so then he said, are you fucking joking me? I was like, yeah, he's an elite level lunatic, right? So he was like, I want to suck your cock like that shit's away. I'll not see anything in that. And he's getting madder and madder. So I've heard at one point he came out with a baseball bat and he was hitting the stairs, the metal stairs, boom, boom, so I, that's when I pressed pause. I was like, what's going on? And then when I've obviously went and seen what's happened, the told us what happened, the, the gay bloke said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I just rolled it <laughs> <my sleep. laughs> uh, Puff of rage, I meant to say. There's a bit of homophobia for you. <laughs> <laughs> we are pals. So, he went down there, uh, got something turned on. <laughs> And he wasn't replying to his messages. So basically, the, the psychopath downstairs has had enough of this gay bloke who was fucking, who was sending dirty messages that he's told me, if I don't tell him, I'm going to get it as well. So I've told him to stop. After I told him to stop, then this is when he went down and done his penis. So the first messages were just sexy messages. Once it's up his knob, the psychopath has said, look it, I'll fucking come up and do this to you. I've told him to stop, went back to bed. Then I've heard the baseball bat getting banged off the passageway. I was like, what are you doing now? went downstairs and he's told us, mate, I literally went downstairs and looked at his window and he could see. So what he said he'd done, he told me this in his own words, he said he came downstairs in a dressing gown, he came to the window, eyes glazed, out of his mind, the psychopath sitting on the settee watching him, he said he opened his, <laughs> he opened his dressing gown and pushed his naked body against my window. He went, so he's got up, ran to the door with a big fucking massive butt, a kosh, a big metal kosh, He's trying to hit him with a kosh. I've came out, what's going on? He's running past me, really dick out off his nut, right? I was like, I can't take it anymore. So I moved out the day after. So that was, the reason why he exploited is that guy who I'm just telling, the whole story of that leading up was, he promises a slot on the TV station. that this, this local community station that already had a news department, a sports department and a lifestyle that needed a comedy one. So I was meant to get that role. And when he's seen the stuff of, the, how, of how the, the TV station were reacting and how much they loved it, didn't want to do it anymore. So he cancelled. I had the Robin Armstrong show was due to air on TV and it, he got it cancelled like two weeks beforehand through jealousy. I was like, this is mad. He's like, look at it. Are you living with me? If, it's not, if I'm not involved in this, like it's not, it's not going to work. So I lost my TV show that was meant to be happening. I promoted it for like six months because I, I was told it was going to be 
the, the first comedy show to come out this TV station. Uh, I'd obviously made loads of promo videos leading up with, and he didn't like it. So I fell out with him, lost my TV show, lost my slot in that, in that TV network, you know what I mean? Something's going to come yeah. eventually that leads you to mainstream TV. All right. I believe that. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the first things I said to you. You should have your own TV show. But moving on from these swines exploiting you, yeah. because your passion now is comedy. Mm -hmm. I love it. That, I mean, I can see that you love absolutely it. adore it. In an era where, in my opinion, we need comedy more than ever. Oh, yes. Because everyone's been filtered, they've been watered down, they've been censored, they've been silenced. You've been, you've been canceled two or three times. Yeah. You've lost millions of followers because your comedy wasn't quite politically correct enough. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. There's a lot of sadness, there's a lot of suffering at record rates, there's depression, there's people overweight, they're substance dependent. Comedy is what we need right now. Yeah. So what you're doing, I love. Yeah. And I miss the good old days where Roy Chubby Brown could say what he wanted to say, yeah. Jim Davidson could say what he wanted to say. They'll be a fucking... Yeah, G Jimmy Jones, all in, Mike Reed, all these real funny people, because yeah. com comedy isn't funny anymore, because no. people have got a sense of themselves. Literally. And self-censorship is shit. It is the worst. I mean, the words you said a minute ago, I mean, off camera, yeah, you say what the fuck you like, but you've actually now got to censor yourself yeah. to, to conform with whoever it is that has control over you. Exactly, it. it's, uh, it's nonsense, but you're doing your comedy shows yeah. behind yeah, that's behind, what behind the cameras. Yes. So Zuckerberg and, and, and Elon Musk, who proclaims to be a, a free speech advocate, yes. he isn't. Uh, you can now say what you like without being censored a time where I think people absolutely need it. Yes. So I'm, I'm picturing a, a tour down the line. Yeah, definitely. Where you, you will put a tour on and you go to all these towns where they, over, back in the day, they were yeah. used to like the Jimmy Jones harder and faster. Mm -hmm. All these comedians that, 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 that they miss. Yeah, yeah. Because you haven't got a Bring it back. You haven't got a filter. Nah. Your sense of humour is Dynamite. Yeah. It's dark, it's rude, it's yeah. crude, it's outrageous, it pushes the boundaries. Relatable as well, you know what I mean? Completely. Quality. Yeah. That's what I try and do, whatever you want. I love it. Yeah. So where do we so tell me about your comedy now? Yes. Tell, talk to me about comedy because I A love it, B need it. Yes. And C am delighted that it's back. Yeah. I'll tell you where it's so, all there I see the comedy, the, the the social media thing started by that silly rant. And then obviously I realized the, the rants would do better the funny other way. So I would try, the first couple of rants I was quite aggressive. Mm. I was like, yeah, that's fucking bitch. And it wasn't really funny. Then it was like, actually, let's try and joke about our tits that look like, what do they look like? Sacks of potatoes, that sounds kind of funny. And then the more, the more I'd done it, I realized when in the drug period, that I was always the, the mouthy one who would always say the funny stuff. It wasn't until I started watching comedy, like Peter Kay and stuff was, they, you know, when he first came around, when everyone would watch him on a Saturday night when he was on, that was where I was like, wow. And then Bo Selector and stuff like that, you know, them mad masks and stuff. That always made, I was fascinated. I was going to say, yeah, because you, oh, you, you bring characters yeah, in, in, into your sketches. So I, I was amazed by it, and I'd never ever thought of doing it myself until I seen the social media, until I had my first ever go at it. Then I thought to myself, right, I, I wasn't confident enough to go and do it on stage. I wasn't confident enough to even speak in front of strangers. So I would always do the videos in my house. Then it was when I, when I noticed I was getting blocked all the time and the restrictions were getting uncontrollable, no one was seeing me stuff. I thought, 
why not try stand-up comedy? Or like I've started doing live sketch shows now where obviously, like you say, you can't get blocked on a fucking stage, mate. I can say whatever I want. You know did what you, I mean? Did you have somebody like oh, I've just done say yeah. to you, you are a funny, funny man, funny bones. You should do this. Or did you just think to yourself, I want to do that? No, I think I think in the early days it was my decision, but after the after the interaction of everyone who'd seen my video saying how funny it was, that was the catalyst to get us going. All the compliments of that accidental first viral video mm. that never left me head. I've never had mate. When else other than your fucking wedding do you have or a promotion do you have everyone come up with your go? Oh well done. Yeah, well no, done. no, no, no. So I was never gonna get that. And it's awesome the fact that once upon a time you were shy. Yeah, oh, so shy. Once upon a time you were shy and whoever your life experiences yeah. have taken place, you're now in a position where, off my own back, I'm actually gonna stand with a microphone yeah. in my hand in front of a crowd of people without yeah. notes and I'm gonna make you laugh. Yeah. That is that is impressive. Oh, me 100%. And not only that, I think I failed, I, had, I got deleted a million. Usually people don't ever bounce back from that. I wasn't quite I deflating. I, oh, I, mate. I've had it two, three oh, times. It's, it's horrible. Songers, songers. You've got to think, about, when you've got a million followers, you're worth a lot of money. It comes, if someone wants to post on your Facebook for a million followers, give five grand. Mm. Hey, you want to stay at the best hotel in the world, put it on your, on your story. I was a king of the world, mate, but obviously the bullying videos, which we'll get into, that, that ultimately ended them. It ended everything for us, you know what I mean? Because you lost two accounts, didn't you? You three, three, three in total. Yeah. And, and the, the big ones I remember you losing was one where you was bullying the bullies. Yes, and so that was that was that. And you can see why they would say, "Well, it's hateful content yeah. because you are bullying the bullies." Mm -hmm. Still shit, because I do believe that the best way to deal with a bully is bullying. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Either either completely blank them or bully them. So I'm all for that. Yeah, definitely. So I was. I've always been pro Robin Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. Like make no mistake. Hi. And then the other ones, and again, I'm even more pro this. You were exposing paedophiles. Yeah. And you were ripping into them and oh. you was bringing your massive audience's attention to these proven paedophiles, yeah, yeah. which is great because why should they be able to just slide away and hide in the shadows? I mean, you're bringing them madness. to the surface. You're adding your twist to it so yeah. they're going viral. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this is great because you'd get paedophile hunters mm -hmm. and they would... They would capture this paedophile. They'd have yeah, all yeah. the evidence, and I, and I know some paedophile hunters. Yeah, yeah. They have to have a backlog of evidence. Yeah. It normally goes to court. They get charged. They get sent to jail. So to get to the stage where you've got the content, they're guilty. Yeah. But they haven't quite got the finesse that you have, yeah. or the reach, or the ability to go, this is how you get it to the masses. Yeah, yeah. So you're taking what they're doing, and you're putting your twist on it, which is the genius part of it, and then going... Bam, yeah. there you go, scumbags. Now you're I, famous. I didn't leave a single quarter out of what I would see as well. So if no. you, I wouldn't give them an angle to go, yeah, but what about this? No, no, I mentioned that. It was awesome. Awesome, man. And I couldn't believe, that was when I thought, you know what, there's something monumentally wrong with the world when someone is getting silenced and censored and unpublished for exposing paedophiles. Yes. Just what the fuck is that all about? What's going on? I must, how did you feel? I bet, because I thought... You're now onto something here. Yeah, yeah. Nothing can go wrong. This is, I'm going to do this because it's good for the community. Yeah. It's also going to be good for business. Yeah, it's good it, for business, good for the community, everyone. It's, it's a win-win. So there's a paedophile in my local area. I'll say his name because he's out of jail. Kane Hutchinson, if you're watching this, you little fucking slimy running. Ran for his life, I'll tell you what he'd done. So Kane was my age, went to a school quite close by to my house. Um, his, his uncle was a football hooligan, so he got lots of respect. Um, and he was he, after he left school, he volunteered to be a PE teacher. So he stayed behind, 
That old chestnut. Yeah, that cheat. That made it. By the end of it, it came out he was one of the most prolific paedophiles in the country you'd ever seen, right? So when he was working as a PE teacher in the school, he then volunteered to be a school football coach in the local football team. And all the boys, obviously, because he would go to the match with his football, looking all the nappies. All the kids looked up to him, and he would he we basically groomed them. And then it got the point where he said, "Look, if you want to come around mine, I've got a, uh, I've got a, 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 a what they call table, a massage table, so I can come and get your muscles rubbed down and so on. That obviously that's what I do. So some of the kids managed to like went to his house, and when they got there, realized that he didn't in fact have a massage table. It was just his bedroom, and he'd be like, "Oh, like do you want to have a game of darts?" And he would put it on them, and then eventually he would try and fucking sexually abuse them. So over the space of a couple of years, a few things came out, but he'd obviously got it stunned because his uncle was who he was. Um, and then it, got, it always got swept under the carpet because he'd portray a good, nice person in his day-to-day -day life. You would, mate, you would never have told. You would have thought he was a sound kid. But little things would come out here and there. And I used to always be like, someone must be gone on. It's more than one story now. It was like five or six stories now have been said about him. So I was, it was, I was having a big drug-fueled party. And one of the youngsters who... That's, that's not like you. Nah, it was a one... <laughs> <laughs> so what a massive drug-fueled party... And one of the youngsters who he who he abused uh, came to the party. He was now like seventeen year old, and he came in with one of my pals, little brothers, or something like that. And he came in, and we're all talking. And then Kane's, Kane's name came up in the conversation, and he was like, "Oh, you not here? What he tried to do to me?" And we were like, "What he tried to do you like?" And he's like, "Oh, well, for, his family's close to my family, and on New Year's Eve, we had a party, and everyone had finished drinking, and everyone went to bed, and was sitting on the table, and he came around the table and put his hand down on me in my ass cheeks." You know, so I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm only joking, man. I'm only joking. And I was like, fucking hell, what did you do then? He's like, oh, look, like, even if you tell me, man, they're not going to believe you. And I was like, what? I went, so why did you not tell the police? He was like, obviously, he threatened us with his uncle and that, you know? And we, I was like, well, fucking, like, bring the police now. I'm sitting next to you, ring them now. And he was like, no, I can't. I don't want to. And he's like, your pal went, tell him about what he'd done to, you, to your mate. And he went through a long list of these things. He made, he was getting caught, he was getting, he was touched, he was getting kids to come around. One kid he convinced to suck his knob in, the, in his bedroom, right? The kid to end up being gay, convinced him to suck his knob when he was like 14 year old. Uh, and then, uh, so he, he gave us a long list of these names of kids who he'd done bad things to. So I was like contacting all of them. I was like, listen, yeah, I've heard what's happened. Don't worry. I'm not going to give you, I'm not going to tell your name of the public. I'm not going to let everyone know what happened to you or whatever. Just tell us what he'd done. And then if you're willing to go and fucking speak to the police, I'll go and deal with him. You know what I mean? But we'll mm. deal with him. Didn't worry about him. Like, my dad's a fucking miles over them fucking football hooligans tonight now. So I didn't have any worries in my head. So we're all full of drugs. I'll go, listen, are you going Kane's number? He goes, I have got his number one. Gives his fucking number here. So we're all sitting in the house. We pass up, oh, go on, get him, get him, get him. So the phone rings. He's like, hello? I want to say, Kane. He goes, I, I want it's Robin Armstrong. He's like, oh, how's it going, mate? How's it going? I went, fucking don't, how's it going, mate? You fucking nonce. And he was like, obviously I was big on Facebook. So he was like, eh, what, what? I went, listen, we're not everything. I want to know everything. I want to get it in your fucking head as well. I would never dream of branding someone a paedophile without 150% concrete evidence. I would never, I wouldn't do that yet. I want, but I know, I want to have spoke to everyone you've done it to. I've spoke to loads of people. He fucked off and went to camp, he volunteered to work in Camp America, right? When the heat was on him. Went to Camp America as a volunteer, non-stick in Camp America, fled America and came back home, back to Newcastle, done something else again. And then fucking obviously we rang him up. I said, listen, we're going to come to your house. I'm going to fucking burn your house down, you daft cunt. And he put the phone down on us. So we rang him again. It went straight through the voicemail. So I was like, listen, we're coming to burn your fucking house down. Obviously off or not. We wouldn't have done it. I'm giving a big licks like I would have. I wouldn't have. I was like, I would fucking do this. 
put the phone down on him. When, when you're high as a kite, oh, mate. it sounds realistic, you know I mean? doesn't it? I'll tell someone I've got to shoot them, I'll have to shoot it with these fingers. You know what I mean? And so, don't I make me do that. Fucking hell, do it. <laughs> fucking want to play Russian roulette with me, you divvy. So, he so he's panicked, right? Uh, and rang the police. The police have been there. So he, when he's rang the police, the police have uh, arrested me the day after. So the day, day after, all my pals have gone. I was just dozing off. We sit room. My door just went boom. I was like, "What the stuff was caught everywhere in that rail?" I was like, "I'm sweeping off the tables as the come and got us." I didn't know what I was getting arrested for. Sneaky pinch. Oh, oh on the way out, give me mouth enough to eat. So they took us to jail. I was like, "This right?" And I was in the fucking question. They took us to the cells, put us in. I was like, "Why am I here? Why am I here?" And then I was in there. I was only in the cell for about one minute, mate. And this woman came in with a suit and was like, "Can you come with me?" And I was like, "Yeah." Took us into the interview room, sat us down. Another man came in with a suit and they brought a book in, mate. I swear it was like the fucking Bible, right? You put it on the table, it said Cain Hutchinson on the front, was the paedophile's name. I was like, ah. They went, tell about everything you know about Cain Hutchinson. I was like, ah, oh, oh, I'm not trying to get in trouble. She was like, no, no, we need to know what you've been told. Oh, I was like, nice. oh, let's go. So I was like, right, look at this kid, this kid, this kid. She was like, yeah, we know their names. Obviously, the word wouldn't put a statement in. I was like, you're now. <laughs> He came, they came around, put Stevens in. They went to kick his door through to arrest him. His mom had hit him in his base in, in the attic uh, to, to keep him fucking hidden away. Uh, I mean, it was very unfortunate because his mom and dad are really nice people. So when I first put the status out about him, right, saying everyone in Gateshead has heard something else about this fucking wronging, Kane Hutchinson's a paedophile. I was hovering over the post video, the post for a long time to press to make it go live. Yeah. And pals were like, Robin, a couple of me pals were like, do it. Some of the other friends were like, yeah, mate, you've got to be sure out your mind because you're putting this out to a fucking 800,000 people I think I had at the time. You're going to brand this man a paedophile if you're wrong. I was like, posted. Whoops. <laughs> 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 and your pals were like, yeah, he posted it. But then, mate, as much as it was great, because I'd spoken on the phone, I threatened him, said he was going to burn his house down, left a voicemail, and then I've posted the post straight away. So all, all the way through the night, I was getting made, it was like 2,000 likes, which was a lot of likes back then. So I was like, oh no, the amount of traction had built up. Yeah, yeah. All the comments were like, I fucking knew it, so glad you said this. Then he puts a post up, gets more likes than I had, 3,000 likes, defending him. Who the fuck does that egghead think he is? Fucking how dare they, I would leave you with my kids in a heartbeat, defending him. So when I'm off my nuts, I'm looking at my status, people picking it up, but I'm also looking at his, who's getting more interaction and they're all supporting him. I'm now thinking, oh my God, I've just called him the paedophile and I'm wrong. So when my door went through the next day, I was like, he's killed himself, I've summoned that, what have I done? Oh. So when they took us in and brought that book out and I was like, is he all right? They were like, yeah, he's all right. And I was like, oh, thank fuck. And they were like, what can you tell us? And then I just went listed off all the things. I went, why did, how did you arrest us by the way? Sure, well, believe it or not, when you left a voicemail threatening him last night, didn't you? I went, yes. Mm -hmm. She went, that gave us a reason to, 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 to take his phone as evidence because he, he refused to give his phone in. There was nothing on his phone. So there was no reason for them to go and get a phone that didn't have a, a warrant to go and take his phone. Because I'd left a voicemail threatening his life, that gave them a reason that needed the phone off him. So when they got there, they went, we need your phone. He's like, oh, no, no. I was like, it's evidence. You've told me it's a voicemail. We need it. So took his phone. Found pictures and that of him sending pictures of his cock loads of kids and stuff. 
which would maybe end up taking him a jail, you know what I mean? What's it, Zersi uh, Wanker? Oh, mate, what a relief as well, by the yeah. way. Not that he's a paedophile, a relief for me, because thousands of people, yeah, yeah. Brandon, me, at fucking Europe, he was gay, they were saying, you're forcing him to come out as gay, that's all you've done, because the kids are now of a legal age and stuff, and I was like... <gasps> and that is the problem with people, with, with, with prolific predators like yeah. that, their egos are so, they're so narcissistic oh. that they always end up falling on their own sword. Yeah, there's... I'm going to call the police, because I'm so innocent. Yeah. Okay, well, give us your phone. Aye. There's your sword. Oh, oh. Now you've right. fallen on it. Now you're fucked. Aye. Yeah, good. Good, mate. And then he went to jail and, he, and he, when the news came out, the headlines were like, most prolific paedophile since blah blah He was nonsense kids left, right and centre. He was he was like grooming them to come to his house and then doing a horrific fucking sex act on them. Then he got, he got, he went to jail. He got, he got released on it. He got released on a false name and give him a new life in fucking Leeds. Done it again in Leeds, got sex, done a fucking another sex case, went to jail again. And for the final time, right, he got put somewhere else. A few of my friends were on a stag do. They're just young kids. My pals like was were like two years younger than me, so they're like 29 year old. We were on a stag do in uh, in Leeds again. And they seen him, dyed blonde hair, bleached blonde hair in a nightclub dancing. And they went across to him and said, Are you kidding? And he apparently used like look and was like, Oh, and they're like, What are you doing now, you fucking nonce? So he's made a big massive scene. With it, obviously he's made new friends since he's been at this place and they didn't know, so they've all attacked me pals, going, he's a fucking liar, let's do them in, lads. Not realising, obviously, like, he is a paedophile, you know what I mean? Bonafide. Bonafide. Convicted. Aye, the worst. Trialed. Aye, the worst, mate. And he hid behind the fact that his uncle was a fucking football hooligan, and it worked. He would go to football games, right, and he'd cause trouble to make himself look like some character so people wouldn't know about his prolific sex fucking cases. Yeah, his alter ego, Aye. his filthy disguise, his dirty mask, dirty, bastard, dirty mask that they all wear. Aye. So not, not only were your videos having a hell of an impact, because your videos would have, would, would have given victims yeah, hope I, as well. Yeah, definitely. It would, it would inspire them to come and speak uh, and come forward and report someone that's abusing them yep. sexually, physically, psychologically. Yeah. Uh, Anyone that's being nonced on, that's like, yeah, good. They're, you know, there is justice I in the world. You've got someone like Robin Armstrong who's exposing them maximum capacity yeah. to the point where even you're being rewarded by the police. Yeah. They've acknowledged your hard work. I they want to come in and say it, I. But the social media platform in which you're exposing these monsters to say shut the, you down yeah. again. Big time. The bullying one. So by the end of the bullying, right, this is the more, it was me, the bullying was crazy. I'll tell you how it started. So my nephew was beaten up, right? My nephew's a lush kid. He's the nicest, quietest kid in the world, good with his grades, very clever. He was walking through a park with his friend. And when he was walking through, he was attacked by some little hoodlums who recorded it on the phones. So I got the video sent to me over a few days saying, look, they've done this to your nephew. I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill them. So I put the video online just because I wanted to find them. That was it. No intention of starting a bullying campaign. I was like, who the fuck are these kids who've done this to my nephew? Got the names of the kids, dealt with it straight away and then because people seen the success it had how fast it was at getting where they lived the names and everything they were like mate have my refuse been beat up you were then being approached i was approached this is how it started the by the parents by parents all over the fucking country mate yeah started off locally just a couple for the first couple of weeks then it was london manchester liverpool everywhere was like i would only ever so i had what i had to do was in the early days someone would send us a video uh, and it could be a mediocre bit of bullying where someone's getting pushed to the bus stop or something. Then they escalated to fucking old women getting their heads breaked in with bricks. Do you know robberies. what? Robberies. Now, now you're saying it, it's all coming back to yeah. me clear as day. 
Because all the all the bullies that you would expose, there was always evidence to back it up. Oh, all these. You would you would post exactly like you've done with yeah. with the nonce cases. You would post the videos of the bullying. Yeah, the location. But you'd also magnify it with. Well, with, with, with your narrative. Yeah, of course. You would, you would verbalise what was happening because some people, they can see things and they're desensitised and it doesn't really go in. Yeah, it doesn't. They don't really think in stereo or no. see it for what it is. It takes someone to spell it out word for word. You see what you're seeing there? Yeah. That, that's happening there. That's how that person's feeling. Mm -hmm. Look at the impacts on that. Isn't that despicable? Yeah. And then it, because words are powerful. Oh, powerful. And you was putting them out beautifully, yeah. painting the picture so that people are like realize the magnitude of the yeah, situation. Yeah, it was. So again, that's a, that's a care of the community. Oh, really? Isn't it? And you got cancelled for it. Got cancelled. So the way it built up, right, it got to the point I was getting like 100 cent a day and I'd have to go and choose which ones I could get through, right? But it took me, it deleted the comedy. The comedy was gone at this point. Yeah. If I posted a comedy video, people are like, what the fuck's this shit? Where's the bully videos? Well, all of a sudden, and being a natural comedian that yeah, you yeah, are, yeah. when you when you're sort of going down that route, yeah. people then think, well, that, that doesn't even seem natural anymore. I, when really you're an actual comedian. Yeah, yeah. That's who you are. But just it just took it over. Like I say, it was just a one-off thing for me nephew for me nephew. Yeah. And then it got it got out of control. When I say it got out of control, I mean every single video would go to two million views in a couple of hours. I remember. It was in the newspaper, then it would go to the, to the London newspapers. It was like major news, Sky. So the police were forced to act on every single case. Mm. Normally, if, if a kid gets bullied at school, mate, slap on the wrist, kid goes to gets expelled from school, another slap on the wrist, go home, slap on your wrist off your ma. Two weeks later, you're back out doing it again, right? This is what I said. I was an 18 stone child. I was going to say that. Who yeah. got bullied, mate, and I know how it affects kids. It fucking ruins your whole life. Mm. If, you're, if you're bullied from your whole school years, if you leave school without ever defending yourself or whatever, you can go into your adult life being the same, getting walked all over and fucking anxiety ridden, not going to public places and stuff because of how your, your life was as a child. And mine would it be like that if I didn't adjust the way I am. So why I, what, the, one, the way I used to explain it when I explained it to the police, I said, this is, what, this is why I do what I do. If I post a video, right, so your child bullies someone at school, like I say, if they get arrested, they're too young, the police are going to say, right, go away, don't do it again, little scary warning. That is not going to make you stop bullying someone. If your parents aren't super strict, that's not going to make you stop bullying someone. If you fuck, no matter what reason it is, they're going to continue bullying. If you grass, you get told to go and grass on them to the teacher, that's going to get you more bullied. If you bring your parents into grass on, your, on the kids, again, it's a, it's a vicious circle. When you've got a million fucking people looking at the video that you have filmed of you doing something disgraceful, a million people are going to see that, which means you're guaranteed that everyone from your local area is going to share that on their inbox to everyone they are. Look who it is, look who it is, look who it is. That person can then not leave the fucking house. It doesn't last forever. It lasts about three, four months. You can't leave your house. Because if you do, everyone recognizes you from that video, right? So you are in the house. You're reading the comments of how much they want you dead. When they see you, this is going to happen. You, mate, are that scared, right? You can't escape it. Everyone's watching it. It's on the news. It's shared. No violence is brought to you. They're so terrified by what is going to happen when they leave that house. I guarantee you when they do leave the house, mate, they never fucking bullied someone ever again. And there was no violence involved. The police didn't get involved. You just post the video online and everyone can, everyone can have their opinion on it. Everyone, let the crowd, let the, let the, let the public... Be the executioner. Yeah, let the bully have a long, hard look yeah. at how they're perceived. I mean, because but the, when they're when they're doing the bullying, yeah, they're obviously so impressed 
uh, and so empowered by what yeah, they're doing, yeah. they feel compelled to record it as well. Yeah. I'm not just going to bully this poor kid. Huh? I want somebody to record me bullying this poor kid yeah. because they're obviously proud of what they're doing. Of course. That's not, but if you think if you think that's a thing to be proud of, aye, aye. and it's a noble act, let me show the fucking rest of the world. Yes, let us post that and then aye. flick through the comments. You think that video is going to stick in your fucking group chat of five people like you, dickhead? Yeah, exactly. I don't think your fucking video got in my hands in the first place because one of your friends sent us the video. Just shows you the kids, mate, that just... The, the, the social media, these videos are beating people up. Like I say, a lot of social media, a lot of social media videos and stuff is what I think is to blame. These like gangs going around robbing kids and stuff, that was always to blame. So I think social media was was the biggest, the best thing that could have happened and the worst thing at the same time. Totally. You know what I mean? It it's got like, real good points and real bad points. Really bad points. Yeah. I'm so I used that to my advantage. I thought, right, I'm just going to embarrass you. Mm. And when the police come and cut us, I was literally fighting tooth and nail, you know, I was like, mate, you, can you not see what I'm seeing though? Like, look in. Because this is why the panorama thing happened. It was got sort of control that the, the need to do an investigation of why it was still legal to expose underage criminals on the internet. It was illegal to do it in the papers, but they hadn't made a law for it on the internet. You know what I mean? Mm. So why videos, because every video I was posting, unlike everyone else who would post a fight video, because I had a million people, there was a, a, sc a screen over my video saying, this video has not been removed as it may result in the saving of a child. No one else had that screen on their, on their, vi on their videos, nobody. And did Panorama approach you? So the whole episode was about the Facebook's department of why they're allowing certain videos to be, to be kept up, even though some of them are beheadings, fucking mad shit was allowed to be getting kept up. Because back at what people need to remember is, yeah. back when we're talking about there was outrageous stuff oh, outrageous. on social media, completely and utterly like, wow, oh. how the fuck has that, has that made it online and yeah. stayed online? And look at the interaction. There's millions of views yeah. of graphic, uh, gratuitous sex yeah, yeah, and yeah. violence. And you think, well, how can that stay there? Why is that, this, why is that been removed? Yeah. It didn't make sense to me. No, it didn't make sense. That's why I, that couldn't get my head around it. I was like, how? Because I, I, I used to always see it. So I'll share it. It was a beheading video, 2 million views. Why is this beheading video? And I'd share it. And then I would get blocked for sharing the one that's already viral around the world. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So I couldn't get my head around why the, I was mentioned. So the reason I was mentioned was, at the time, a lot of the videos were paedophile hunter videos. Well, I think the, the Stins and Hunter was doing a lot of stuff in what that bloke killed himself. You know, the, the paedophile killed himself. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So they were starting to be like, look, this is a, human, a, a humanitarian thing. Like Human Rights Act yeah. comes into place. Yeah, that's, and it just was. makes me sick. The actual paedophiles get rights. What about the yeah. poor children? Where's Ali, mate? Where's their human rights? Fuck being the people get defended and start saying, no, we don't understand. Like, they had a hard life. Like, he's, I don't give a fuck, mate. I had a hard life. I'm not going to nonsense Ben. Yeah, the, I, I, the, I don't. Do you know what? And I have this, not, it's not even a debate because I just shut them down and say, Fucking be quiet. Yeah. Like, do not defend the nonce case. I don't care if they were nonced in, like, when they were younger. Yeah. You get to a certain age where you know right from wrong and you know left from right and you know that noncing is bad yeah. because it's fucked you up. I hate. So, why would you go on and do it knowing that you're going to destroy it? Exactly. Somebody else. Like, zero tolerance for me. There should have a zero elimination room where they just walk in and never come out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you was a you're a, you're a malfunction of a human being. Yes. If, if you were sitting there producing laptops and one laptop didn't work in the uh, in, in the manufacturer HQ, yeah. you'd put it straight in the skip. Yeah. Do the same for nonsense. 100% skip agree. them. Social media should have been used. It should be used as a platform the right way. I think the way I approached it, 
I think what the police didn't like was that I wasn't an authority figure. If it was a policeman doing this kind of shit, they probably would have loved it. There's Piers Morgan or yeah, someone like that doing it. Because Piers Morgan shared this with me. I was yeah. on the news, loads. The video, they were like, oh, anti-bullying hero, I could call. But until, once the Panorama documentary happened, because there was loads of other stuff in the documentary, there was just a segment about my videos, you could see it's in the background. So they sent an undercover uh, reporter in who had a fucking button cam on. He was in, he's in the, he was in the department interviewing him going, so why is this video allowed to stay on then? And he pointed a picture of me on the thing. And he's like, well, it's quite clever, you see, because we should actually take the video down. But because he condones it in the caption and doesn't actually condemn it, is that the right way? Condone or condemn? Yeah. Yeah, because he, do, because he said that, it's a loophole for us to not have to tear the video down. He was like, look at all the interaction. There was like 25,000 comments where a comedy video might get 20 to 100 comments. If you're getting 20,000 comments, it's bringing loads of actual people there. They were loving it. They loved how much interaction I was getting. So the protecting us put a protective shield over my video and kept us on for a year to do maximum damage. I remember watching a program on, on the Facebook traffic and this yeah. was before they silenced Tommy Robinson yeah, yeah. and he was brought up on there and it was exactly the same thing. Yeah. They would not pull his profile because he generates far too much traffic. Yeah. And so that's exactly what you had. And then obviously since then stuff's changed and yeah, yeah. they're just like, yeah, if it's not PC, if you're not conforming to the, this new woke nonsense, you're a fuck you're, off, eh? You, you're gone. And that's your livelihood if that's what oh, you're my. using to make your money. Really, mate. It brick, mate, Rick having me page deleted. So when, when, when the police obviously got in touch and then Facebook had obviously spoke to the police and I, I just, I'd never had a nice call my whole life. Never, ever. I just got my first nice call with my Facebook money. And obviously it was, it was funding my new girlfriend's life. It was a fucking mint life as well, mate. Or fucking doing whatever we wanted, you know what I mean? We could go and get a fucking jet ski and dance, fucking sniff cocaine and spend as much money as wanted. Then I was doing a, I was doing an advert for a gym. For a gym. You know what I mean? Could do what I wanted, mate. It was the best life ever. Someone say, oh, will you post a picture of a slice of pizza from your restaurant on your page? I guess free grand on the slice of pizza. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could get it. It was mint. But I didn't know that the social media or Facebook was going to get exposed on the panorama thing and that was going to have to clamp down on me. Mm. So I came out of the, I came out with this gym I'd just done an advert for and uh, I went to log on and it just went boop and went off and I was like, that's never happened before. Swipe it up again. Your page is permanently disabled. I didn't know how to tell my girlfriend who was sitting next to us because mm. obviously all the rent and everything's me, mm. car and everything. So I just like took it in for a second and I just burst into tears made. I was like, I had no plan B. There's no plan B. No way to live, no one out of day, you know what I mean? So I was like, fuck, fuck. Then I found out, mate, that when the panorama happened, my page didn't get taken down. Someone got in touch with us and said, if you, if you go onto Twitter, there's a man who's got a hate campaign against you, right? And I was like, eh, like, who is he? So I went on, I'll show you this fucking cunt as well. He's actually from London, you know. I wish he was around yard, yeah, go and fucking kill him, right? So he's called Darren Brown. He had a Twitter account that was 007 Brown, right? No pictures of himself, just photographs of the, the what's it called, mask? The anonymous, anonymous mask. Anonymous mask, yeah. I? So I was like, surely not. Like, what's, why would he get mentioned? So then I, when I started going through his profile, I got all the screenshots of me phone, I'll send you them, right? Go through his profile, I was looking at the mate, he was this fat, retired bloke. We couldn't see any pictures of him first, I had to investigate for about a week to find him. So I'm looking through these posts and it was like, see if Robin Armstrong feels safe when we connected docs to his, to his accounts and mass reports are flooding in. Uh, this man gets kicks out of exposing children, paedophile and like mad shit, right? So I was like, yeah, it was been, he'd been doing this for about six months. Sounds like he's self-projected. Oh mate, proper self-production, right? So listen where this goes, you'll not even believe this, right? 
So I'm, I didn't know he'd been, he'd been talking to us for six months. I was getting blocked all the time. And I was like, I hadn't been blocked forever. So I was like, how am I getting blocked? And then when I started reading through these pictures of how he'd added viruses on me account, uh, he says, Robin's an idiot. I just have to send him a, a promotional fucking link and he presses it and he's flooding me accounts and have master partners, right? So now I'm like, uh, I went, what? So he is a... Oh, mate, proper, he was definitely... IT genius. Legit. Yeah, all legit, 100%. So this company, just before that, just before the account was uh, taken down, he, this, this company agreed to give us 500 pound a week as a wage because uh, he wanted to get us to 2 million followers and we're going to join, it was going to be a joint venture. He was a businessman who knew how to get us where I needed to be and all this shit. So basically, I'd signed up already with this business and I was in his office when we page, well, I left the gym, went back to his office and had to tell him, I said, look, I know I've just signed a contract for you to give us 500 pound a week, but I've just had my page deleted. And he was like, what, what do you mean? He was like, well, do you know why? And I was too all over the shop to understand why it happened. He went, look, let's have a little look on and see if I can find anything. So I told him, I said, look, I had these messages of someone saying, check this guy's Twitter because he's, he's mass reporting us. So he logged on, found the Twitter. He was like, mate, this is legit. You went, this could be the reason why your page has been took down. So we'll look through his account, right? Mate, was, he'd been a troll for like five years, right? Every time we scrolled down, someone else he took a dislike into, loads of, I've sent a fucking virus, docs and all this shit. And then whenever the pages would get removed, he would use it as a trophy, the notification that he got saying the page has been unpublished. You know what I mean? Wow. So my fucking, my own page has been unpublished was his header picture. It saved his header like he was that proud about it, right? So I was like, isn't this off? I'm fucking going to kill him. But I thought if I react and message him, he could do something to me. Bank, target a family member. So I had to box clever to try and find him, right? I was like, how can I do it? So I obsessed over it. I went on his Twitter. Mate, I scrolled for about two weeks, right? Scrolled till I reached the very, very, very bottom. His first ever post was a promotion of his actual business. So he was a retired automotive photographer, took pictures for fucking auto trader and that, right? He had dickhead. So he put his actual name, Darren Graham. And I was like, DG, Darren Graham, DG007, has to be him, has to be. Mm. So I looked through Ray and I was like, it's fucking him. So I went, to me, I went to the bloke I was working for, what should we do? How can we get in touch with him? He went, look, I'm going to ring him. I'm going to say, I've seen some of his automotive work and we would like to do a story on him. We'll kind of come, we'll come to his house and interview him. I was like, do it, do it, do it. He was like, if we go, you can't do anything. I was like, I won't. I had the full intention of smashing his head and if we got there, right? So we'll ring him up on loudspeaker in the office. I'm on the other side of the phone. He's, he's the one who's going to do the talking because my pal is a good speaker. He's a, he's a millionaire businessman. So he was like, hi, is this Darren? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's Darren, yeah. He's like, Darren, I'm an independent uh, journalist. I've seen your work uh, for the automotive industry and would like to work with you. He's like, narcissism to the highest. Oh, yeah, yeah, as if he's really busy. Oh, yeah, I knew someone would call eventually. He's never had a call, right? He's a fucking minging, horrible fucking beard, big, fat fucking tram, right? So we were just blowing smoke up his arse, like, oh, listen, you, we think your work's great. And he was like, yeah. Uh, we're we warmed in for about 10 minutes. Then he went, listen, we've got a big social media campaign going on anyway. We're going to get their opinion on the public of some of the controversial um, influencers out there. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't stand the influencers. We were like, aye, aye, this could be him, could be him. And we're like, he went through a few names. What do you think about Jack Jones then? And he's like, I don't really know that one. Oh, what about this guy? We named like four different names. He was like, oh, what about that Robin Armstrong? He went, yeah, I know him. And I was like, it's him. It's fucking him. It's him. I knew it was him, right? So I was like, fucking raging. And he was like, yeah, I know him. I don't like how that guy goes on. 
And he was like, oh, no. He's like, yeah, yeah. I think it's disgusting, actually, how he fucking, he doesn't even, uh, he, he picks on kids. Like, why can you not pick on someone his own age and stuff? And I was dying to say, you've seen the videos. He's like, does it all for views? He goes, I'll put it, he goes, listen to me. He goes, my best friend, right, on my mom's life, he goes, he goes, it's a perfect example. You can't blame the, the families of the people that have done the crimes. He goes, I'll give you an example. My best friend is Levi Belfield. Now, Levi Belfield, the child murderer? Yeah, my... He is his best friend, right? He goes, he's my best friend, Levi, right? He goes, and his kids, when he got sent to jail, what, what, uh, what, what went under a, a heavy scrutiny, they were bullied, and it was disgusting. And it reminded me a lot about that. And I was like, I'm the fucking other side of the camera going, what? Who the what? fuck would admit to being Levi Billfield's best friend? I'm right? real. Yeah, I'll show you. You can look into this cunt, by the way, because I, I, I didn't want, it, it intimidated me because I was like, I don't want to fucking try and come up with us again, but I'll show you who this cunt is, right? So Levi Billfield's his best friend, his kids are now living with him, right? So Levi's kids, we look after his kids. I'm friend, he's my wife's good friends with his wife and stuff like that, right? And he goes, and it reminds me, Robin reminded me of him, tacking young people when he didn't know the full story, just for likes. He's a disgusting piece of shit. He was like, just giving us loads of grief. He was comparing you to Levi. Oh, comparing me to Levi. So he's like, Levi, so Levi, even though Levi done the crime, his family are getting loads of grief and I don't like that. And Robin, Robin is, is like on some videos, I was saying, listen, tell your fucking dad if he wants to come and fucking have a fight, bring your dad. I was just like venting to the bullies. I would say to the bully, you've done this, you're a scumbag. I've had a message off your dad. Tell your fucking dad, tell your mom to fuck off. Like just me just being just charismatic in my videos of how I felt about watching the bully video. He tried to compare me because I was bringing people's moms and dads sometimes. And they spun you there, just missed, hit the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about you. Telling people to fucking get your mum, get your mum, and get your get fucking your dad, and then no, you, re you refer to it as being charismatic. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was being charismatic as fuck. Right? <laughs> fuck your mum, fuck your nah. and oh, on the charm offensive. I, I mean though, because they'd done bad things, mate. I was venting, right? Mm. So when he said he was like, so Robin attacks the uh, the innocent family members, similar to people do with my best friend Levi Billfield. Like people attack his kids and and, and ex wife. And it's just, it's just, it's not on. It's not on. I was like, I, I needed to go, you just compared me to a child murderer because I fucking swear at someone's mum sometimes because the son's a little arsehole. Like, is that obviously where, how, how low he stooped? And then we said, uh, all right, then, okay, but I'll tell you what, come, 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 come and meet you. And he's like, I can't see why. And we were like, uh, I went, that's for his address. And I said it out loud, out of PR excitement. Uh, and he went, who was that talking? And he was like, sorry, he was like, oh, nobody went. I just heard a Geordie voice say, who was that? Asked for my address. I was like, cause I'm fucking on your line, you fucking dirty bastard. I'm coming for you, Darren. I found you, I found you. And he hung up. And then I messaged his personal account and said, and then I found his wife and I fucking messaged his wife straight away that your fucking husband's a fucking wronging. He has what he's doing. And I put him on blast online and the, the mysteriously disappeared. He was getting them all reported and stuff. So I found him. Found the person who I think was responsible for the for the ultimate for the the ending when the page was removed. I think that this computer whiz kid who obviously attaches viruses and stuff because he had a fucking the, 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 viruses bots the lot. Oh, for years, different people he would he was targeting reality stars, sports stars, random people from his area. Like if anyone gave him a bit of grief in the street, he would fucking try and ruin the lives. Oh, he'll still be doing it under another oh, account. Hundred percent. He's obviously obsessed with that sort I, of behaviour. Yep. I've even got his phone number. I saved his phone number. Shall we ring him right now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Darren, you daft cunt.
It'll, ru- it'll ruin my chat. Uh, You'd bring the whole before it's, before it's even begun. <laughs> so I ain't got a problem with that. No. Actually, Darren, actually, great work, lad. So that page was dismissed. That page was dismissed. That was another page. one. You, uh, so you, you've now started again for the final time. Yes, the final, final And this time, surely, as it's all comedy and it's all good fun and it's all to put smiles on people's faces, as long as you don't joke about the things we're not supposed to, which we yeah. don't even know what, everything. what that is anymore. Yeah, which yeah. is everything. How are you going to move forward with this page now? Because you've now built yet again yeah. a substantial following. So you've lost, let's just say, let's be conservative. You've lost 2 million followers. Yeah, probably overall. Let's like, just say overall yeah, yeah, you've lost 2 million followers spaced over two or three accounts. And now what are you back to? Over all platforms, 700,000 and back up to. So you're back up to like, you, you're staring another million followers in the eye, yeah. which is mega impressive because I've been cancelled three times. This is my fourth time. And I know how disheartening it is. Oh, mate. And, w- and when, I s- when I saw you keep coming back, because I, 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 didn't, I didn't just come back. Yeah. I just thought, I'm not doing this for another year. I'm not doing it again. And seeing you was inspiring. It's like, look what he's doing. Yeah. Because it's hard to come back. Because also people forget, but they, because of the algorithm, people just think, oh, you've gone. Yeah, yeah. They, feel, they think it's as if you've nuked yourself. Oh, it's like, mate. no, I've not nuked myself. Yeah. Just type my name in and you'll find me, but yeah. it doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. So you're yeah. heartbreaking losing the first Bellini, you see, because I just assumed the next day that it'll be back. People are going to go, where's Robin gone? Yeah, no. Nah. Next fucking month, two, three, four months, I only had 100 followers. Yeah. Didn't know I was getting one view where I'd reached a point where I had a million followers where I could edit a video really good. It would take us a day, but then my content was mint, but I was spending a full day to post a video that was going to get one view. Mm. And it was like, that was where I should have given up. We should have quit. But I just, cause I'd, I'd put all my eggs in this basket, mate, and I'd felt what it was like to be at the top, top of the game. You know what I mean? I was like, this is it. I'm just about to be rich and fucking super famous and I'm going to get into everything I've ever wanted to do. And then it was taken away from us. I think if I wasn't for what I'd tasted, if I didn't, if I didn't do good the first time, I probably wouldn't have went back. Yeah, you, you, you know, you've got the ability. Uh, you know, you've got the likability factor, yeah. and you know, you've got the creative brain mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's a kick in the bollocks, yeah. it's a setback. But I know that I didn't get there by chance yeah, or yeah. by fluke, so I'm going to go again. I'm going to do it again. So I mean, I'm sure you don't even need me suggesting this, but because you're now going to, because you're now doing the stand-up comedy, yes, and you're very good at that. And I admire the bollocks it takes to do that because I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And I, I got pretty big stones. But yeah. That for me is probably a bridge too far. I say that you never know. One day I may think, fuck it, I'll fuck give it, it a go. But what you do is impressive. And I tip my hat and I'm just hoping that this time you don't cross the line or now you're more aware of where the line is. Yeah. Because in my opinion, you've, you've never crossed the line. You've kept it just where it should be. Yeah, yeah. But now we've got to play to a different set of rules. Yes. To a woke set of rules. Yeah. And, I, and I'm really hoping that you, you, you stay within that boundary mm-hmm. so that you can progress and you'll stand up. So I like to think this time next year, you've got a tour. You're doing, yeah, you, 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 you're doing what Dapper Laughs is doing. Yes. Because, mate, you're built for television. Oh, I- you're built for, for audiences. Yeah. And, well, I've said that the first time I, I yeah. spoke. Just like I think you belong on TV with your own chat show. That's your limit. Quick, smart, like fluent. Everything just works. Yeah. Look great. I hope that's what happens for you. And before we wrap it up, what would you say? What would you say to anybody out there? Because you, your your biggest platform, the one that was really, really hitting hard, yeah. was the bullying one. Yeah. And I, I mean, a lot of people admired it. And you haven't got the voice anymore where you can say about bullies because you're now focusing on comedy. Yes. But because we have touched based on it, 
What would you say to anybody that's being bullied out there? I would, back in the day, my advice would be, it's usually just being a counsellor to a kid, I would say, said about them. You would normally say, I was raised, if you're getting bullied, lay hands on somebody. But now the rules are totally different, mate. If you're getting bullied, it's a tough one. It's, it's a tough one to give advice on because let's be realistic. You can't go and grasp the teacher. You can and you, and you should. That is what a young child should be able to do. Should be able to go to the teacher and the teacher should be able to go to a child and say stop and they shouldn't be done again. But realistically, with the age of social media and stuff like that, it's not possible. My advice, if someone bullies you, you fucking hit them in the face with a brick as hard as you can. No, really, no. Don't do that for your child. <laughs> <laughs> I would say bully, bullying now is probably your best to to get to make yourself up, surround yourself with friends who are willing to look after you. If you've got a close friend enough who was there to have your back, then you'll not have to worry about being bullied on your own. It tends to be kids who are vulnerable and by themselves. If you know someone that's being bullied as well, you should stand up for the kid. Because if you stand up for a child who's getting bullied in the later years, you'll be the you'll be the popular one. Normally at school, the bullies are the popular kids. When you became the kid, the kid who bullies the bullies, you will be the person that's liked a lot. So if you're getting bullied, my advice is to try and team up with someone who, who can have, have the wing over your shoulder. If not, stick the fucking knot on them. And the, next few, <laughs> uh, and the next few years, yes. what lays ahead for Robin Armstrong? Right. What, what's your plan? I now know all the bad things to do on social media. I know I can't say certain things, which affects me a lot because... I have to see them things for to get the same reaction. So I've learned now that I stepped away from social media because I've been restricted for so long and I've started doing stand-up. I also do live sketch shows. I've done auditions. I've, got a, I've done auditions for dwarfs. A couple of weeks ago, I got myself a naughty little dwarf. Little person, sorry, you can't say that, can't you? I got myself a naughty little little person. I've done auditions for an old granny. I was I done my own auditions. I wrote the script. I designed the backdrops. I made a comedy sketch show. And at the end, I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to blow his away. Yeah, I'm going to sing a song at the end, mate. And I'm a fucking mint singer as well, by the way. So I said, at the end of the show, I recruited everyone. I've done it every single second of the show was mine. So what you're going to see now is you're going to see us on tour doing stand-up. At the minute, I'm just traveling around the northeast as I figure out the game. But my sketch show is going to travel around the country soon. So if you know any venues around here that you want us to bring the sketch show down, mate, I promise you, you will never see a sketch show like I do in my sketch show. We'll do 12 sketches, all X-rated adult fucking full belt. When I can't get blocked being on a stage, so I really, really push the boundaries, you know what I mean? I'm talking Peter Vale Hunters, we'll have Jeremy Kyle sketches, I spunk in a granny's face at one point. She's called Eileen, come on Eileen comes on. You know, and I, I've, got, I've got an illness where I have to dance along to the actual track. Come on Eileen comes on, <laughs> it gets jizzed on. And then I finish with a big song. So the future holds me, I'm gonna be doing a podcast soon. Podcast, stand up tour. Um, my comedy sketch show is going on tour as well and my social media is going to be unrestricted as of next week so you're going to see all my videos back again I've been restricted for a year so the only reason you haven't seen is this year is I've been restricted for 12 months but my chains are released next week I will be coming back slightly not as harsh approach to social media just so I can sell maximum tickets so you can see it's in the flesh and yeah to be clear you're not going to filter yourself out of choice. You're doing it because yeah, you're doing it because I have to. Because you have to play the game. Yeah. And I'm also now doing the same. Yes. I hope sincerely, with every fiber of my being, that your stand-up tour, your live sketch tour, everything you're doing that you're going to put your heart and energy into, becomes hugely successful. I know you're a good man. I know you're a talented guy. I know that the world now needs you. Yes. Because we're in a shit state and we need to smile, laugh and love 
and show gratitude. And on that note, I want to show you some gratitude for coming on the show and thank you because this has been a pleasure. A fucking good time. First one, first of many, I guarantee it. 100%. And you notice how small my hands are? They're beautiful. I'm I glad they're gone, man. I love them. <laughs> yeah, see these little hands, yeah. It makes me dig look bigger. <laughs> right, I'm going to take the world by storm now. It's yours. Oh, it's, it's. Thanks.